scheduled in the bottom of the ninth. Look out! Oh, my goodness. The 0-1. Oh, that got him, and it got him in the face. Oh, my goodness. Well, after the little oh, okay. practice. There we go. There we go. So, that's it. Hello this and meeting welcome. This is being recorded. Ah! All right, I'll just cut that out. Leave it on. Hello and welcome. You are up and in with the Chin Music Podcast. I am Nick, your host. Alongside me today... I've got the deepest pit of college baseball knowledge. Someone who is so incredible at podcasting that the only thing he does better is husk corn. Nebraska native, Ben. Ben, who is your favorite baseball player of all time? Ooh, that's a really, really tough question. Ooh. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Can I go some... Uh... I'm just going to go with Alfonso Soriano here, a childhood pick. I had a fat head of my man uh, in my bedroom growing up. Uh, you know, played horrible defense, but, man, he hit bombs and loved the power speed. Um, he was a lot of fun. Also, he used, like, a 38-inch bat for no reason, which I always found hilarious considering he was, like, only, like, five foot eleven. So I'll go with uh, Alf Alfonso Soriano as my favorite baseball player of all time. I like that. I always liked Alfonso Soriano. He did he bat leadoff for a long time, right? Um, I think his like first two years with the Cubs, he hit leadoff, but then they moved him kind of down in the order to like the four or five spot once he lost a lot of his speed. Kind of became just a power guy, but he had like ten years in a row where he hit twenty home runs, very consistent as well, despite his failings. Yeah, I there was a MLB the show game. I can't remember what year it was. It was probably like oh six, oh seven, something around there. And I would always do a Cardinals franchise and we played the Cubs first every year. And I was, I don't know, I was like 10 years old at the time. And I would always have it in my brain. Like I had to win every single game in this franchise. And every single time I would lose, I would restart the franchise. So I would get, you know, I, I would never get more than like 10 or 15 games into the season. So I would just keep resetting it. So I played against the Alfonso Soriano Cubs like over and over and over. And I remember being so frustrated with him because he like made me lose games all the time. So that is what, that's what I always think of when I hear Alfonso Soriano. So sounds like undiagnosed OCD to me. <laughs> 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 all right. Next up, he is eager to get in on the chat before I've even introduced him. I am honored to welcome high school football district champion and the greatest intramural quarterback that Truman state university has ever seen. Legend has it. He can hit a dime from 60 yards with his eyes closed. Number six on the field, but number four on this podcast. Palmyra native, Brock. Brock, are you a dog guy or are you a cat guy? Uh, you rushed my intro because I rushed you. That's fair. Um, I am a dog guy. Here's my dog right here on Zoom. His name's Grizzly. He's got a big old deer antler over there. Um, yeah, never really a cat guy growing up. Uh, dogs all the way. Have you ever had a cat? I've not. Um, my dad is allergic to cats, so um, we didn't have cats. Um, had one, two dogs, I guess, growing up. And then when I went to I didn't like cats at all. But then when I went to college, um, obviously, you have your cat, and she's a great cat. Um, ben had two cats, and they were both good cats. So I'm not opposed to cats now like I once was, but I still lean dog. Um, and I don't know that I would ever own a cat. But Yeah, I think... Growing up, I definitely always leaned dog as well. 
but like you mentioned, I do have a cat, Dizzy, and she has more or less almost entirely converted me. It's just the, it's so low maintenance. Like I can be gone for like a three day weekend and just leave her a bunch of food and like give her water and stuff. And she's fine. Like, it's so great. And she's nice. And I don't know. I, I, Dizzy has converted me. I think you got a good one. Last but not least, we've got the greatest Valorant player on the West side of the Mississippi. It's a shame he's had to turn down offers from every Valorant esports team so he could remain fully committed to our Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League. Please carry me out of bronze, Vansel. Vansel, I've got a two-part question for you. Number one, how long does a song remain your favorite? And second, what is your current favorite song? Um, I'd say I'd probably go like two weeks of a song being my favorite because then I overplay it and then I'll go like a while before I can get a new favorite one. And I'm kind of in that uh, down period where I don't really have a favorite one right now. Uh, I guess previously Eric Balls got me on, got me listening to Zach Bryan. So probably one of his songs, I guess, was my favorite, but I played a lot of him. So I, I'm in a lull right now two weeks at a time i think mine varies on the song but i think mine's probably a little bit longer than that but i probably can't go more than like a month of having a song where i like play it over and over there is like a couple exceptions i remember specifically swing by ray shummard was my favorite song for i think probably like six months i believe it was swing swing that's what i said and uh yeah so that one lasted a long time but i agree i think that my my span of having something my favorite song is usually not super long. All right, we've got introductions. Let's do some content updates. Vance, what kind of content are you absorbing nowadays? Um, what have I been watching? Really haven't been watching a ton. I think I've been on social media more than I've been watching stuff lately. But uh, I guess I've, Succession is my most recently watched show. Not a ton. Just I'm still on season two, and I think I watched two episodes today at work. It's just such a good show. This last season, I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously, but this last season, I don't think I've ever been more like entirely captured by a show in every single episode. I just feel like there's always something going on, and I like can't look away. And usually, when I'm watching a show, like I'll have my phone out or something. But when I watch Succession, it's like I'm all in. Yeah, I'm just a big Greg fan. <laughs> I hate that you just said that. <laughs> um, what about you, Ben? What kind of content are you absorbing? Yeah, so finishing up Succession as well. Also, Barry. The last episode of Barry was like absolutely bonkers. So, but I'm also rewatching The Wire right now. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a show on HBO about kind of like the Baltimore Police Department drug trade. Uh, it's classic like HBO where it's like like way darker than they'll let you go on like network television and is like widely considered one of the better shows of all time. It's like my sixth or seventh time watching it. I, it's probably my favorite show ever. So just uh, giving that an old rewatch right now. The Wire, I believe, has the most cuss words per minute in television history. Yeah, there is a scene where um, the two characters just say the F word over and over again. 
and that's the only word in the entire scene. And it's just they change their inflection on how they say it, and then somehow it, it still works. I mean, I, I love that show. Yeah, I've heard really good things. I think it's Obama's favorite TV show. Like a bunch of it's it's supposed to be a good show. I've not seen. Yeah. I don't think a single episode. I highly recommend it. Uh, it didn't get a lot of acclaim because it was coming out the same time The Sopranos did on HBO. So a lot of people were real into that and didn't really give The Wire a chance, but. In my opinion, it's a way better show, and I think it's probably the greatest show of all time. But, you know, who am I? Yeah, I think HBO just – I don't know what they're doing with their shows, but they do it differently over there. All their shows are so good just constantly. What about you, Brock? What kind of content are you absorbing nowadays? Oh, this is going to be redundant, but I really have just been watching Succession. Like you said, the most recent episode dropped, and it was – kind of a real cliffhanger um also in the spirit of no spoilers i won't go much further on that but when i get on social media my social media algorithm is entirely succession so i'll get on tiktok and it's just video after video after video of easter eggs of little things that i missed while i was watching succession that is like supposedly hinting towards what the finale is going to be um so succession to the max um and uh, Ben's reaction to what you said about um, Greg was kind of my reaction. I'm team Greg and Tom, so um, I think that the uh, the common folk are going to win. I I mean, I don't want to spoil things for people that are in season two, but I Greg is just so every time he's on screen, like I'm laughing at him. And it's just like, I just can't even explain how Greg makes me feel. It's just, it's a, like uncomfortable, but also like annoyed and angry and ah. The disgusting brothers. The, the disgusting brothers. brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot. All what right, you, Nick, what have you been consuming anything outside of succession or did you lead off with what you were watching? I Lost focus. Um, no, I didn't lead off with it. Um, succession mainly. I've been going back and watching a little bit of Legend of Korra. Um, yeah, Legend of Korra is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, what else? There's another show I'm watching, but I can't. Oh, Ted Lasso. I'm watching the newest season of Ted Lasso. It's been pretty good. Um, I think that I was so compelled by the first few seasons of Ted Lasso that I've been a little bit disappointed in this last one. I think the writing is, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to say just because I think that they set the bar awfully high. I think it's been fine and a good show and I'm going to watch it, you know, as it comes out still, but it hasn't been as good as it could have been, I think. But Ted Lasso is a really good show. The first season of Ted Lasso, I think, is one of the best seasons of any show ever. Is Apple uh, TV, do they have some good series and movies? I, I've kind of scoured the whole HBO and Netflix for everything, but yeah, have obviously Ted Lasso's on Apple, but I didn't know if there was anything else that was Chernobyl I watched on Apple. That was pretty good, but outside of that, I'm not. I That's also honestly... an HBO show. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it on Apple at first? I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm looking at currently at the top chart of Apple 
I guess it's, I don't know if it's just shows or if it's shows and movies. And the only one that I recognize is Ted Lasso. I heard this, I'll be able to describe the basis of it, but not the name of it. Something about like civilization lives in these like tunnels, like these spiral tunnels underground in like a post-apocalyptic world. Um, I think that's a new Apple show. I've seen some trailers for that. And I don't know that. The one with the bones are their money? Maybe. <laughs> so are the worms, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks like you could be talking about Silo. I don't know. That's it, correct. It was Silo. That yeah, it's, sounds it's like what I just described. Cur- currently, the number two ranked show is Silo. But I don't know. I don't. I, I have only used Apple TV pretty much to watch um, horrible baseball broadcasts and Ted Lasso. So that's pretty much the extent of my Apple TV experience. All right, we can move into uh, T around the league here. Our fresh segment, unfortunately, this week, I think needs to probably revolve around the Cardinals. Um, Even though we are all Cardinals fans, and I think we're probably deeper in it than most of baseball, I think that it has pretty much been the tier on the league over the last like week or so. Um, most people seem to be talking about it. Um, so I guess report came out, I think it was on Friday maybe, where they said Wilson Contreras. So just to give people some back some background that aren't either like Cardinals fans or aren't super familiar with what's going on with the team. Uh, we just lost Yadier Molina, you know, best catcher, one of the best catchers ever. He's on our team for a long time. And we made this big accusation of Wilson Contreras in the offseason, signed him to a five-year deal to be our catcher, take over from Yadi. Um, it is worth noting that Yadi is one of the best defensive catchers ever. He does a lot to help a pitching staff. Yadi was just incredible in a lot of different ways. Um, but so this Friday, we're, you know, a little over a month into the season. And news is coming out that Wilson Contreras is no longer going to be playing catcher. Instead, he's going to be playing in the outfield and we're going to be DHing him. And we called up one of our uh, catchers in the minors uh, and basically just have it seeming it seemed like we had given up on him as a catcher within a month into a five year contract, which obviously is not good. And then I feel like as news broke, it kept on getting worse. Because then there was an interview with Wilson Contreras where he's like, I haven't heard one person telling me that I'm not going to be behind the plate or that they don't want me to catch anymore. He's like, I I have not gotten that information. And then there's a bunch of other stuff coming out where like players that have played with Wilson in the past. And apparently it was like coming from our pitchers that they didn't want him catching. And it, it seems like the Cardinals just like you've played against this guy for seven years in your division like you know who he is i don't understand that's a quote from ben i'll attribute that to him but i don't understand how we went out and that's like our one big acquisition this offseason and we're so surprised at what we've gotten a month into the season already that we're going to be stripping catching duties away and we're going to have to watch andrew kisner play catcher every day granted he's been hitting the ball well the last few days but still i think it's crazy given you know just given everything that's happened. I linked uh, a Twitter post. I don't know if anybody actually clicked on it in the pod notes, um, but it was, I believe it's the old manager for um, Joe Madden. He was the manager for the Cubs and they won. Is that right? 
I'm pretty sure he was manager for the Cubs when they won That's correct. the World Series. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was just like talking about how like hard Wilson works and how like good of a teammate he is and all this kind of stuff. And like he was saying it's weird. Like, I don't know if this is coming from the pitchers. I don't know if this is coming from like the front office. They're seeing stats where they want this to, you know, go a certain way. But Joe Madden, I thought, had a lot of really good things to say about Wilson. And I think coming from somebody like a Cardinals fan that watched him play on the Cubs, he was always one of my favorite players. I think he plays with a lot of passion. I like him a lot. I think that he really cares about, you know, how well he does and watching him hit that single on the Cubs and like egg on the crowd, booing him and stuff like he plays the game with a lot of passion. I like him a lot. And it really sucks that the Cardinals have been doing this to him. I think it's crazy. Like, obviously, I saw another Twitter thread. Sorry, I'm going to talk a little bit about this before I open up to you guys. It's very frustrating for me. There's this Twitter thread um, talking about how basically the Cardinals have relied on Yachty to call games. Um, for the last, you know, however long. And now that they've lost that, they're putting like all these expectations on Wilson Contreras. Like there was a lot of news that came around the last couple days where it's like, Wilson doesn't understand like the way we do things or like he's, he, we just need to get him on board with our process. Like, I feel like that process is relying on a hall of fame catcher to do all of the work for you. And now that we don't have him, all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, what do we do? And then Wilson is getting blamed. And there's another layer to it that our pitching staff is just bad. Our pitching staff is bad this year. And the fact that all of this is coming out about Wilson and like people like the pitchers potentially not wanting him to catch for them. It seems like it's like a little scapegoat action. Like they're just pitching poorly and they're blaming it on Wilson Contreras. So I think there's just a lot that goes into it. I can open it to you guys now. I've talked for a long time, but it's it's just, it's a frustrating situation. I've got Ben listed first to talk here. Just because as a Cubs fan, he's watched him play for the last seven years. And when I was messaging Ben this week, talking about it, I mentioned that like he caught a World Series team. Like he's not a bad catcher, but I guess I, I didn't fully realize that they had three catchers. They carried three catchers on that team. So I don't know, Ben, if you want to talk a little bit about your Wilson Contreras experience over the years. Yeah, he was kind of more of a guy who would catch like half the time for us on those teams. And most of the time, I feel like it was to get his bat in the lineup. I mean, it was pretty clear that David Ross and Caratini were a little better behind the plate, at least like just watching the games for me and everything I've heard. Um, And I I mean, it's hard to say calling a game is like something like kind of subjective. And I feel like Nick's point about the pitchers just not really being prepared and having relied on Yachty so much like has to be a huge factor because so like we just brought up our top catching prospect Miguel and all of our pitchers have come out you know with rave reviews about how prepared he is to call a game and stuff like that so like clearly our pitchers you know had something in their mind where they were like you know Justin Steele said this you know Wesneski I think Drew Smiley as well where they knew they weren't going to get as much help from you know Wilson behind the plate as they would from somebody else so it, it doesn't fully surprise me, especially when, you know, you guys had Yachty back there and everyone could kind of probably coast. Um, it it, it kind of is like the perfect storm for something like this to happen. Now, them pulling him out of catching duties completely just, like, shocks me. I mean, especially one year into a five-year deal. It just seems like a dumb move. Um, I mean, you're committed to this guy for so much money and for so long – I don't understand, like, 
you can't work with him a little bit, bring somebody in, talk to him about how he's calling these games, have him work with pitchers. I mean, instead you just release a post about how you're not going to have the guy catch. I mean, seems super weird. So I believe that there's a problem there, you know, having watched him play for so long. I mean, it was pretty obviously that they didn't like trust him fully, but it also seems even weirder that the Cardinals would just give up so quickly. Yeah. And just the, the communication around it really bugged me too, because it sounded like Wilson basically learned the news from social media. Like he said that he was shocked when they were calling up a catcher and he's like, I, nobody's told me they don't want me catching. Like just that whole process is very frustrating. And I can't believe that's how they went about it. Brock, you're up next. I imagine you're frustrated as well. Yeah, I have too many thoughts on this. Um, I'll start with, it is like a bit, it feels good because I've, kind of been frustrated with the Cardinals like logic of player acquisition and just playing time in the last few years. And it's starting to have, you're seeing the trouble in paradise right now. Um, I think there are a lot of layers to this. Um, You kind of alluded to like the top down communication from ownership to Mo, the player operations to the coach who's our, who we've already talked about had issues with the Tyler O'Neill situation who cannot effectively communicate what's going on. So to me, I, I've harped on Ollie, but to me, it's the top down. Like I think Mo is telling Ollie what to do. Ollie is clearly not communicating that effectively to the players. Um, and you saw that with Wilson's comments that like, I didn't know that that was that this was going to happen. But then the flip side of that, from the player's perspective, I wonder who, which one of those pitchers was complaining. And if Wayno sat down with Wilson and Wayno said like, I'm going to, I'm fine pitching to Wilson. Like if he wants to catch me, I'll like, he can call his own game. I think it's Jack Flaherty. (laughs) Jack Flaherty got absolutely lit up in Seattle for 10 runs. Um, He can't throw strikes. Um, he's always seemed kind of like the the black sheep of the Cardinals rotation. Um, I don't know about Jack Flaherty. He's really struggled. His velo's down. None of his pitches look good. They're all below average. Um, I think that he probably voiced a concern. Moe's always loved Jack, wants to keep Jack around. And Wilson, for Wilson's perspective, like you, Nick, you kind of touched on everything with Wilson. He's an elite hitter. If you pull up his baseball savant page, it's all red. Uh, for a catcher, he was an elite hitter. I mean, he's been in the league for seven years. So if you're going to invest a five-year contract into a guy who's played in the league seven years, you know he can't frame, but you know he's an elite bat. So you had to have been willing to trade like the greatest defensive catcher of all time for who struggled offensively, Yachty, later in his year, he kind of had a little bit of a resurgence, but was an abysmal hitter. You were fine with him catching, but then we fully overcorrect to great offense at the expense of bad defense. Like if you're a month into the season, if you're going to try and shift him to the outfield, which is already log jam because you haven't traded anyone for a pitcher when we have a rotation full of fives, threes and fives, where's the logic in and fielding your roster. Um, and if he's going to play DH, or if he's going to hit DH, then you're 
going to hurt Gorman's development, who has really been a shining star on the Cardinals this year. Um, so I, I am frustrated, but many of their moves in the last few years haven't totally made sense to me. And I'm obviously not smarter than John Mosley. He's been in baseball for two decades in one world series, but lately I just, I don't, I don't understand the logic behind a lot of his, his moves and then the top-down communication. Um, and he is, you've seen that Mo has already scapegoated two coaches. So now I think he's gone to scapegoating a player. And I just think it's wrong. And you saw Wilson, the card, one positive note, the Cardinals finally won their first um, game to open a series against the Cubs in large part due to Wilson's double off the wall. That was almost a foot. If it was a foot higher, it would have been a two-run shot. So like you said, Wilson's coming up big with his bat in those moments. Um, and we're about to beat the Cubs again today. So um, I would just hate to see us <laughs> stop catching Wilson, us get hot and then see what happens. Cause I think that's going to cause more problems if we finally get hot here. So a lot of incoherent thoughts there, but a lot of feelings. <laughs> yeah. I think the Jack Flaherty thing is interesting. Just a quick clarification. Jack Flaherty pitched against, the angels and got blown up last week. You're right. You're right. Cause he had, the he, Mariners. had he, he did pitch against the Mariners, but it was a quality start. And that was when Kisner was catching and then he came and pitched and this was, and I guess I didn't realize this timeline, but it does line up. So it was Thursday. So Friday is when all this news starts to break that Wilson Contreras is no longer going to catch. And Thursday was the day that uh, Jack Flaherty pitched against the angels and had, I think 10 earned runs or yeah, 10 earned runs. Um, so that was on Thursday. And then the news is breaking on the Friday. And that was the last day that Wilson caught. I do think, look, I really like Wilson Gutierrez. And I think he's a great energy to have around the team. I think he's got a good bat. I think it's almost indisputable that it hurts the pitching staff. And I think you're kind of maybe even seeing it a little bit in Chicago right now where their pitching staff is making a ton of improvements all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, obviously their defense has gotten a lot better. And I think like, I imagine I haven't like looked at it, but I imagine the BABIP on or opponents BABIP against the Cubs this year is a lot better because their defense is a lot better. Um, But I think it's pretty indisputable that it's doing negative things to the pitching staff when he's catching. And I don't know what exactly that is. I think it's probably a little bit of a combination that our pitching staff relied way too heavily on Yachty and just are not prepared to pitch seemingly without a Hall of Fame catcher behind the plate. Um, I just think that the front office really underestimated the shift from Yachty to Wilson. Because I think it's I think it's hard to say that the you know St. Louis management didn't see, you know, that pitchers ERA are higher when they're pitching to Wilson, which has been the case over the last two years. I think it's impossible to say they didn't see that. I think they were just underestimating the shift from Yachty to Wilson. Go ahead, Brock. I forgot the most important part of my rant there. Why can't we just hire Yachty as like a catching coach and then just have him in the dugout calling the games? It seems to solve all of the problems. And Yachty wants to get into coaching. And Yachty has already mentored Wilson. They had a conference call, allegedly. 
Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think we need Yachty on the coaching staff. It seems like anyway, because apparently our pitchers aren't allowed, aren't willing or capable to learn how to pitch without him. Vansel, you got any thoughts to close us out on this topic? Yeah, I'll keep it concise since you guys have talked a while about this. But there was a meeting after all this went down with Wainwright, uh, Flaherty, and Contreras to just kind of talk some more things out. It went positive. Wilson Contreras did also say that he had a ton of St. Louis Cardinals fans and his DMs just like saying, like, hey, man, this sucks. We still love that you're here. And also, I think it's just the whole culmination of things between, like, the shift being gone and we don't have strikeout pitchers. So then, you know, there's just going to be a lot of balls in play and more balls are going to get through, and we don't have those guys positioned there anymore. I think the absurd stat is all the two-out or two-strike home runs that the pitching staff has given up. It's, like, 23 or something like that, something near that. And, I mean, it's a question of is that – game calling from Wilson Contreras's part or is that execution and from what I've always seen it seems like it's normally execution so I think a lot of it is just him getting scapegoated and I mean I, I don't know what they were expecting going from a defensive first catcher to an offensive minded catcher if that's what you're going to get yeah I saw a thread on Twitter of people pulling up videos of the pitchers shaking off Wilson and you know changing the pitch and then getting you know like a new kid on them mm-hmm. just like all just from this year or it going i'm not executing pitches so i think that it is a lot of um well that's a another bit of thing like Contreras might not even be calling games it could be you know from the dugout he's getting signs or and then his earpiece so he might not even be calling games yeah. or calling those two strike pitches well moral of the story is um everybody listening you heard that wilson has really been uh, liking these messages he's receiving, so everybody go send Wilson Contreras a message on social media that we appreciate him as Cardinals fans and that we like him in St. Louis. All right, does anybody have any uh, closing thoughts on that topic before we uh, move on? I kind of just have a question that I'm curious about. Um, can I know with like the pitch com now, like either the catcher or the pitcher calls the pitches, but like this, I know this isn't the MLB, but like in high school, the pitch would always come from the dugout. Do you know if they're able to call the pitch comp pitches from the dugout or like up in the booth, like the NFL does with play calling? I don't believe so. Is it just communication between the pitcher and the catcher? And the shortstop. And I think maybe the center fielder has one too. Oh, I think you're right. I guess that's a big part of the game. Yeah. Is like the players. Yeah. But I mean, so maybe hiring Yachty wouldn't entirely fix that but yeah i wonder we'll have to look into that because i feel like there's a lot of instances where you're calling the games in the dugout is it always just like you're giving them signs like signs to the catcher and then the catcher is calling the play like that seems like you'd be a quick like you'd have to be pretty quick with 15 seconds i don't know we'll That's have to fair. look into it as we continue through the podcast i'll hit 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 the old goog and see if i what i can't find out um, next topic I've got lined up is uh, teams around the league and kind of where they're trending. The first one I wanted to talk about was the Rays trending up. I think after that long streak that they went on at the beginning of the year, 
people, I like everybody was talking about the race, how they were undefeated. And then once they lost a couple games, um, people aren't necessarily talking about how good they've still continued to be. I think even since they lost their win streak, I can't remember exactly what their record has been, but they're still very, very much dominating a majority of the teams they're playing against. And it hasn't been a bet against the bad competition. Yeah, they only have seven losses on the year total. Um, so I think that just talking about them and Yandy Diaz and Juan Franco and Randy Rosarena looks like he could be an MVP right now. Um, I think that, and they still have Taj Bradley in, you know, AAA, who I think is going to be a really good addition to their starting rotation. You guys have any thoughts about the Rays? Are they clearly the best team in the league to you all? Do you think that is a safe thing to say? Or do you think there are other teams that have, you know, have a say or have a, have a claim on potentially the best team in the majors? I think it's pretty indisputable that they are the best team, at least up to this point. Um, I just pulled up this real quick. The Tampa Bay Rays lead the league in wins, average, OBP, runs, home runs, slugging percentage, WRC, ISO, OPS, offensive war, ERA, whip, hits against, runs against, home runs per nine, starter ERA, starter K per nine, starter FIP, reliever whip, and reliever hits per nine. So, that's every facet of the game, every facet of baseball there. They excel out there. Bullpen is really good in there. Their rotation is good. Shane McClanahan is quietly probably arguably one of the best pitchers. I almost said the best, but that might be disputable. But, yeah, they're incredible. And you're, what you said is exactly right. Wander Franco being healthy and finally kind of, we say breakout. He was like one of the high, highest touted prospects of all time, and he's, Incredible, and Randy Rosarena started hot. If he can sustain that, we'll see. But they platoon and they platoon well. So, and one of the lowest baseball payrolls at the Athletics. Yeah, I definitely think the the Rays are legit. I think at this point, it's like you can't really dispute it. Literally, every aspect of their team is like fairly elite, and people like to you know doubt them because. They're getting a lot of productions out of guys like Harold Ramirez and Taylor Walls. And, you know, people like to, you know, doubt them because of that. But what the Rays do is put these players in their perfect situation to succeed. I mean, they look at the numbers and they're going to play whoever, you know, the data tells them is going to be the best player that day. And, I mean, just because they don't traditionally have a bunch of stars. I mean, I saw this like Yankees broadcast like trashing on them for having these different like journeyman types on their roster, but they get, they milk every ounce of talent and production out of the players that they can. And I mean, they're hot right now and you know, everything's, you know, working like a machine. I mean, I think they're legit. I don't think guys like Harold Ramirez and Josh Lowe are going to be necessarily this good all year, but right now you're showing what, you know, the analytics, uh, the analytics community is kind of like, come to love with, you know, teams like the Rays where, you know, they're putting these fringy players on other teams in the best spots to succeed. And they're doing just that. I will, I guess, put a little bit of water on the fire here uh, before Vansel goes. I don't know if Vansel is going to say that the Rays are the best, but just, just putting a little bit of water on the fire. I think that the Braves could have a claim at potentially being the best team in the majors right now. Uh, 24 and 11, they've looked really good. Ronald Acuna looks like almost a clear MVP. 
Um, and I think that their lineup is better, like from one to nine, almost every single position. Like I, I, I can't think of a single position one to nine where I think the Rays have the Braves. Um, now, obviously I think the Rays bullpen is much better. Starting rotation, I think, is maybe even a toss-up, and I think you could possibly even give that to the Braves. Um, I do think the Braves have a claim at the number one overall team. Vansel, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Rays, and I guess the Braves as well? Yeah, I mean, I think both teams are obviously really good teams. I believe I picked the Braves to win it all this year. I believe in all the talent that they have. Right now, though, the Rays look pretty good. It seems like they just know something that – Everyone else doesn't. Like Ben said, they get every every little bit of talent out. I think if you know you put the four of us on the Rays and we had to play 120 games each, they still make the playoffs. They would just find a way to get value out of us too. And we'd all bat 260. Is that what you're saying? I'd probably bat 320, but yeah, I guess you guys would. <laughs> I suppose I was under scouted out of high school. I could play for the Rays right now. (laughs) (laughs) They would have me only throwing curveballs coming out of the pen. So the next team I have that I wanted to talk about was the Red Sox. They're getting killed by the Braves right now, but they've also been kind of on a little bit of a run. Um, A a couple guys on the Red Sox I want to talk about specifically uh, Yoshida and. Jaron Duran, I think, are two of like some of my favorite players in the league right now, and they're both hitting the ball very hard. Jaron Duran is very fast. Their offense, I think, looks really good. Like the only thing is, I don't know if they have any like like Devers is the only guy on their team that I could see that'll hit more than twenty five homers. I don't think they really have anybody else that can even really threaten it. Maybe Yoshida, but I don't think. I think twenty five is probably more of a ceiling line for Yoshida. Um, Verdugo has been playing really well this year. I saw uh, since the beginning of last year, I think Verdugo has, he's like, he either has the most or he's tied for the most walk-off hits um, since the start of last year. Um, I think it's seven since the start of last year, but I, I'm pretty sure this year he has like three or four walk-off hits already. So that's been kind of exciting. They've been fun to watch. They've been on a little bit of a run here recently. I think I'm mostly high on Jaron Duran and Masataki Yoshida. Obviously, Devers. Devers is amazing. Um, I do think, like, Turner leaves a little bit to be desired in their three-hole. And But I, I think, the other than that, their top five in Verdugo, Yoshida, Devers, and Duran, I think that's a pretty solid lineup. And I think that they, they're in a tough division. I don't think they're going to win the division after we were just talking about how good the Braves are. But... They're 21 and 15 and they started off pretty bad. I think they lost all three of their first series and they've been on quite the run and their offense has been ridiculously good. Even after losing um, Adam Duvall, who had like a 1300 OPS when they get Adam Duvall back in this lineup, I think it's going to be looking really good. Uh, Looks like I've got Vansel talking about the, uh, the Red Sox first. Yeah. I mean, I think coming into the season, we all recognize that their offense has talent and the, have a competent offense but their issue will be pitching and it will be their pitching will determine how far they can go if you know if they're giving up eight runs a game it'll be tough for their offense to overcome that every time so 
it's really just about how good their pitching will be. Yeah, and I saw, I mean, it looks like Nick Pavetta gave up seven today. And I saw um, they were talking about uh, their new young guy, Bello, or Brian Bello, I think is his name. Yeah. And Bayo. like find Bayo, Bayo. Brian Bayo. Um, and they were trying to find a way to get him into the line, into the rotation. And I guess Nick Pavetta like refuses to pitch out of the pen. I think I heard something along those lines. Um, and it's like making it kind of difficult for their rotation and kind of trying to figure out how to get that to work. But I guess Pavetta is really frustrated with even the suggestion that he was going to be pitching in the pen in the preseason and like made it very clear in spring training that that wasn't an option, that he wasn't going to be pitching out of the pen. So I do think their pitching is probably a problem, but touching on their pitching a little bit more, I have to talk about my guy, Chris Sale. Chris Sale has looked really good in, I think, four of his last five starts, and I think he's finally starting to uh, put it all together. His fastball velocity, I think the velocity on all of his pitches in his last start was up across the board, and he finally looks like he's coming back to it. Like his fastball, I think, was up at like 99, 98 miles an hour, which hasn't been the case for a long time for him. So that's exciting, and I think that Chris Sale has a chance of being really good. Brock or Benny, do you have anything on the Red Sox before we uh, move on? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page as Vansel. Their rotation, like if you look at it, you'd be like, wow, five years ago, this would be a really killer rotation with with uh, Corey Kluber, Pavetta, and all those guys. But I just don't see it long-term, you know, taking them to the playoffs. I mean, their bullpen's kind of shaky, too. I I think offensively, they're a t- they look like a playoff team. But pitching-wise, I think it's going to be too inconsistent for them to – make the playoffs in such a crowded division. Yeah. And they've been a team, at least in recent years, similar to the Cardinals that are just so unwilling to make like big trade deadline moves. Like I, I, unless, you know, they're selling people seemingly, but it seems like, I don't remember, was it last year or two years ago where they're like, they added Tommy Pham and it was like, they were still like kind of contending. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, it just seems that they always, I feel like, make weird trade deadline moves. So I don't think it's necessarily something where you can say, like, oh, well, maybe we can rely on a trade deadline move to pick up a pitcher uh, and kind of bolster this rotation. I think that maybe is something that I would not rely on as a Red Sox fan. It's a pretty shallow farm, too. I mean, they have a real good top prospect, but after that it gets a little rough. I don't even know if they'd have, like, the value to go out and get, like, one of those huge guys. Miguel Blyce and Rafael. Rafael. They're like 19-year-olds, though. Yeah, anything to say about the uh, Red Sox before we move on to the Pirates, Rick? I'm going to leave Jared Carabas to do that. All right, we'll talk about the uh, the Pirates. Pirates have been trending down. Um, I've, I've been the big Pirates guy. There's no There's no hiding it. Um, I think last week, I don't believe they won a game. I will say their losses were to the Rays and the Red Sox, who we just talked about and they're trending up and they've both been playing very well. Um, and their loss streak did end yesterday with Mitch Keller throwing nine scoreless innings, uh, shutout is what we call that. And he looked great. I think Mitch Keller has been a huge win for the Pirates rotation this year. I believe I sent a text on opening day this year that Mitch Keller was going to be a 2019 Robbie Ray. 
which uh, I think I think he's getting a lot fewer swinging strikes than I expected um, at the beginning of the year. I thought that sweeper that he added was really going to do the trick and he was going to start racking up Ks. But he's over um, he's over a strikeout per inning, which is good. Um, but really, his success has been in limiting hard contact. And uh, Mitch Keller has been really good at doing that this year. Um, their offense, um, I've been only saying good things about the Pirates when we're supposed to be talking about how they're turning down. Um, I'm unapologetically a Pirates guy. Um, but the trending down for the Pirates, um, their offense. Uh, Jack Sawinski looked like he was going to be something at the beginning of the year. Uh, his uh, StatCast page on Baseball Savant was all red. And people were really starting to believe in Swinsky, but he's just started to strike out again. And he's won for his last like 27 or something ridiculous like that. Like he just really has not been getting on base anymore. McCutcheon's hot streak at the beginning of the season has, he's cooled off quite a bit and he doesn't look like he is quite tapping into what he used to be. Um, like maybe people were hoping um, Connor Joe also started off the season really well. And all of a sudden can't really hit a baseball again. Um, Jihuan Bay is still fast and still stealing bases, but that's pretty much all he's doing. He's struggling to get on base. Cabrian Hayes is actually the only one in their lineup that has kind of turned it around recently. And he kind of started when everybody else was playing well at the end of the year. Cabrian Hayes started off pretty slow, but he's kind of turned it around and has been starting to get on base, but now everybody else is playing poorly behind him. Brian Reynolds still looks good, but he doesn't look like, you know, one of the top 10 outfielders that he looked like at the beginning of the season. But yeah, their offense has been, has left a lot to be desired here over the last, you know, two weeks. Anybody have anything to say about the Pirates or am I just the, uh, the single guy that wants to talk about the Pirates on this podcast? All right. I think that silence pretty much says it. Unless Ben, you got, you want to talk about the Pirates at all? I mean, I think, you know, there's also been some, we saw some regression coming with those arms. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Vince Velasquez, a guy who's been like a complete journeyman, to continue having, you know, around a 3-0 ERA. Same with Oviedo. I mean, he's got good stuff. But, I mean, I think everyone kind of saw some regression coming from how well all their players were playing. I mean, I, I think Carlos Santana, the first, like, three weeks, had a over 800 OPS, and he hasn't had that in, like, four or five years. So I think... This is kind of to be expected, but, you know, still like the Pirates, they got a lot of nice pieces going forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Hopefully when O'Neal Cruz comes back, that'll ignite their offense a little bit. Um, But, yeah, I will say that their pitching staff, they have like that stretch of, you know, 11 or 12 quality starts in a row, which is ridiculous. Um, The one that I was – I mean, obviously outside of Mitch Keller, I'm very excited about Mitch Keller, and I think he's really good. Oviedo I was excited about, and I've been – I think a little bit disappointed in his regression. I thought that maybe he had some potential and I've been disappointed about that. Um, Brock, it looks like you've maybe been uh, looking into some other teams. I'll let you just kind of take over here and talk about some of these teams that maybe you wanted to talk about. Those were the three main ones that I want to talk about. Rays, Red Sox, Pirates. Um, Brock, I'll just, you can just leave the discussion here on these next few teams that you're wondering. Uh, before we move on yeah. from that, I've got a question for Nick about the Pirates. Yeah. Would you say you were duped or bamboozled into liking them uh you feel foolish (laughs) i don't i don't feel foolish i think do you think you were duped or bamboozled 
I think maybe a couple of their players, like Sawinski definitely bamboozled me. I was, I was no doubt bamboozled by him. Looking at his StatCast page, it was all red. I was like, this guy is about to pop off and he's going to be amazing. Oviedo, I think probably maybe duped me. I don't think he fully bamboozled, but Oviedo definitely duped me. Gotcha. All right. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Brock. Yeah, I've got a lot of teams here. I'm not going to go super in-depth in all of them unless I get a little carried away. Um, but I think because we're Cardinals fans, we, uh, we've we been really worried about the 12-24 uh, and 24 start. But there have been a lot of other teams that we picked to be really good, and I think they'll probably have positive regression, but I'll get started here. So on the one high note, the Diamondbacks have been surprisingly good. They are 20-15. and 15. Um, A lot of that has to do with Zach Gallon. Um, Zach Allen, a former Cardinal, he has kind of had a one of the greatest starts to a uh, season. He has 64 Ks to six walks this year, um, but then a few teams that have struggled that we thought were going to be good. Um, we got the Astros at 17 and 18, kind of surprising. Uh, we got the Padres at 18 and 17. Um, we got the Phillies at 16 and 19, and they're eight games back from the Braves, so I don't know that they're going to win that division. And the, the Mets are still in second, but they're 17 and 19. So um, everyone walked away when they saw, I can see people on Zoom here, everyone walked away when they saw all these teams that I had listed. So they must have thought I was going to be long-winded. But um, I really just wanted to say some of those records there. <laughs> um, I'm yeah, the Mets are seven games back and the Phillies are eight games back. So I put all those teams to field the question. Out of those teams, which ones are you guys most surprised with the slow start? Slow start. So the Astros, I'm most surprised with just because it doesn't really seem like they lost a lot compared to their World Series run from last year. Maybe that's just some World Series hangover. I know, who was it? Luis Garcia just had Tommy John or yeah. is about to get Tommy John. So that's another arm down, which is kind of concerning for them but their offense just has not been as threatening as it has in years past. Granted, they are still missing Altuve. So maybe when he comes back, there will be a little spark plug for them and they can push some people down in the order. Uh, I am concerned about the Mets with their their pitching staff as Max Scherzer just has not been Max Scherzer. Justin Verlander is coming off injury and is also pretty old. So... I'm a little concerned for them because the rotation, what was supposed to be a strength, hasn't really been as a, as dominant as people maybe thought they were going to be to start the season. I think I agree with Vansel that my biggest surprise is the Astros. Um, I think the Mets aren't that surprising. They've dealt with injuries with, you know, what Vance was just saying, Scherzer, and he got suspended, and he's now got back spasms and is going to maybe have an IL stint. And Verlander just came back. He's only made one start. Um, the Phillies and the Padres, I think each – I think I can attribute each of their bad starts to missing, like, that one piece. Um, and I think the Phillies just got Bryce Harper back and the Padres just got Tatis back. And I want to see what they can do with those guys – over the next you know month or so before I really start like I'm getting like surprised at a bad start or before I'm like worried about either of those two teams. Um, whereas the Astros, I think I'm just 
I'm I, I don't really even know. I haven't looked at much into the Astros. Like I don't understand how they're playing bad. I feel like their players are all individually playing pretty well. I can't think of anybody on the Astros particularly that's underperforming. Their um, offense has been really bad for some reason. Um, Kyle Tucker's had a tough couple week, tough couple weeks, and I think Jose Abreu might be cooked. You're right, it Jose Abreu. OPS. <laughs> Jose Abreu is actually very surprising to me. Um, the fact that he, I, I'm pretty sure he has like some of the lowest OPS for you know qualifying hitters. He's been horrible, um, but he's still hitting the ball hard. And I like there's a lot like his Statcast page doesn't look that much different than it usually does. Granted, he is always a guy that like underperforms his hard hit rate just because he, I don't exactly know. He maybe doesn't elevate the ball very well enough, but he's also very slow. Um, Bregman honestly looks like he has been pretty terrible too. Um, he's hitting 205 this year, it looks like. So that's obviously not ideal. And it looks like is the back of their lineup kind of bad too? Like, I, I don't really like who, who are their outfielders besides Tucker? Yeah. They have no depth. Um, Mauricio Dubon has been pretty good for them, but they've been platooning uh, Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick in the outfield, which is, I mean, we're accustomed to the Astros being one through nine, just having kind of dudes everywhere. So, And Maldonado is more of a defensive catcher, not really an offensive guy. So, And they kind of yeah. fit into your Phillies-Padres theory, though, too. Like, Jose Altuve is – kind of the face of that team even though Jordan is at this point probably better I would imagine that he's kind of like that guy in the clubhouse um, and not having him in the lineup's got to got to have some sort of negative negative impact no I will say now that you mentioned that I remember seeing an interview with Jeremy Pena after one of their games where they were talking to him about like what is it like like playing between Bregman and Altuve and he was like talking about how great of an experience it is. And then he like went on to talk a little bit further about Altuve and how he's kind of like that voice and that person on that team. So I do think I did kind of forget that Altuve is still working his way back. And I think that that's a good point that he falls into that same, like Padres, Phillies, Astros are all missing like that one key piece. Yeah. I think the most surprising of the bad starts is definitely the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Ben, you gonna talk about the Cubs at all, or have they kind of regressed to the to the mean? No, I think uh, I think the Cubs are kind of playing like right now, like this record. This is kind of where I expected we'd be. So right now, the Cubs start doesn't really surprise me, but the Orioles playing as well as they are does surprise me a little bit, especially with you know how kind of rough their pitching staff is. But their offense has just been so lights out. I mean, who expected Jorge Mateo to be, you know, a guy who would probably, if the season ended today, be like a top 20 MVP finisher. Um, So the Orioles have been just lights out offensively. Mountcastle's matching the ball, Adley Rutschman. And I mean, Gunnar Henderson, their top prospect, hasn't even gotten going yet. So, I mean, that is maybe one of the scariest offenses in baseball, you know. I mean, and that's without some of their guys playing up to standards right now. So I think the Orioles have been my biggest surprise so far. The Cubs, uh, I expect them to finish the season about 500. Yeah, talking about Gunnar Henderson specifically, he's one of the guys that if you look at the, you know, 
the numbers between like expected woba and their actual woba and stuff he is one of the guys that has been the least lucky so far so i think he's got a lot of regression coming and he's going to be pretty good he just hit a or he hit a triple off the wall today and slid into third base and he looked like it was like relieving for him i think he's had a tough start to the season but i think he's a good player and adley just looks ridiculous he looks like he's almost maybe the best catcher in the league which is another homer today yeah i saw it he it was a nuke too it was no doubt so if someone picked him to be a bus candidate it would be a bad take (laughs) yeah yeah that would probably be a bad take if somebody said that adley was gonna bust i i thought well i mean ben was just saying he was surprised their offense was looking so high powered and i think that my argument for adley being a bust was that their offense wasn't going to be great and that he wasn't going to have the counting stats. And I think that that has proven to not be true because their offense has been overperforming. So I think that yeah, no one had, when, when they cut out their wall and pushed it back in left field about another 20 yards, that's got to help that awful pitching staff. <laughs> Maybe the Cardinals should look into extending to Big Mac land. No left field homers unless they're in Big Mac land. I like it. All right, the next category I've got kind of is a transition from talking about those bad teams because the Padres, yes, they've been missing Tatis, but also Juan Soto has been bad for, I I don't want to say almost a calendar year now, but it's been a long time since Juan Soto has looked like Juan Soto. Um, He has over a 25% K rate and a over 55% ground ball rate, and I put a list of the players um, in the major league baseball with those numbers, it's Soto Yelich, who also, um, he's kind of turned it around in the last, you know, couple weeks, but he, I mean, over the last few years, he just hasn't looked the same. And if you think that Juan Soto is the same guy that Yelich is right now, then that's massive underperformance from Soto. Uh, Riley Green, Mancini, Eloy Jimenez, who, did you guys see that Eloy news? That guy cannot catch a break. Um, Jordan Walker and Eric Hosmer. So I think it's just, it doesn't look like Soto. Soto doesn't look like Soto. He hasn't looked like Soto for a long time. Um, I saw a stat on Twitter the other day about where pitchers are pitching him. And it looks like he's being pounded in the bottom of the zone more so than he ever has been before. Um, And he's not hitting the ball well there. That's what that ground ball rate is. He can't lift those balls that are um, down in the zone. And he's really, really struggling. Um, with that, I think, is this his last year? Does he have one more year before he's a free agent? I can't remember exactly one more year. Um, so I, I guess my question to you all is have the Padres kind of dodged. There was like some extension talk before the start of the season. Like, are we worried about Juan Soto at all? Um, do we think the Padres are smart for having not signed him to kind of see how this all plays out? Do you think they need to lock him up now while he's not looking good and we think he's going to be fine or kind of what are our thoughts on Juan Soto specifically? I think it's important to talk about, you know, one of the youngest stars of the game, youngest, you know, best players in the game who's been bad for such a long time. And we have been going for about an hour now. So I do want to make a quick shout out to Kieran from the boys in my uh, fantasy baseball league. He said that he was going to listen to this podcast during his seven mile run tomorrow. So he's probably just about finished power through you got this <laughs> all right let's talk about Juan Soto Vansel I got you up first yeah Kieran I think you should just stop running just 
walk it out now. It's not worth it. Um, Once owes a Scott Boris contract, so or contract um, client. So I feel like he's gonna go to free agency regardless, unless the Padres just give him an absurd amount of money. Which I mean, it's the Padres, so they might. But I think a lot of it also is the pitch clock. He has been very vocal about how he does not like the pitch clock and it's really throwing him off. I think a lot of the like mental side of the game is really getting into him right now because he's I think it was last year his home away splits once he got traded like at home he was just really bad on the road he was normal Juan Soto so I think it's just a lot in his head right now like he's trying to impress at home and now he's dealing with the pitch clock when he's a more of a slower methodical uh, batter uh, I think it was on their broadcast a couple of days ago they were showing Juan Soto like now with the pitch clock versus whenever he didn't have the pitch clock and he was like two or three pitches in before he even like was engaged with the pitcher before the pitch clock so I'm thinking it's all just mentally he's kind of got to just get I guess deal with the changes kind of thing and start getting his head right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Vance on. I think it's important to note that, you know, bad Juan Soto relative to the rest of the league is still one of the best hitters in baseball. I mean, he was, you know, bad in air quotes last year, but he's still at an 850 OPS. And I think most MLB hitters would like, like hit someone with their car to be that good at hitting the baseball. If you look at his Statcast page, I mean, he's got like, his Statcast numbers are fantastic. I mean, he still has the best chase rate in baseball, best walk rate in baseball. I mean, he's he's still a great hitter in his core. He's going through a lot of adjustments, and you know, also I have to say all this because he's on my dynasty team. So if he does suck, I'm screwed. So uh, honestly, I think Soto will figure it out. Will he ever get back to? kind of COVID year where he was like one of the greatest hitters we've ever seen. Maybe not, but I think he's a guy who can't be quite this bad for very much longer. Uh, he's also two for two today, so he's back. I'm going to have to start uh, using that. I like that a lot. He would, people would hit someone with their car to be that good. I like that. Yeah, I was just gonna say, Kieran, keep your head on a swivel for those those wannabe Juan Sotos. Um, that's pretty dangerous out there on the streets. So, um, yeah, just uh, kind of reiterating what Ben said, uh, Juan Soto still is in the 100th percentile for walk percentage and chase rate. Um, and I guess kind of tying back into what Vance said too, it does seem mental. If your plate approach is that good and your exit velos are still 95th plus percentile, it means one, you you have the best plate vision in the entire MLB as a 24-year-old. And when you do make contact, it's amongst the hardest in the league. So I think with that, I mean, when you look at profiles on Baseball Savant, it makes me sound like a nerd, but it's true. You just look for different profiles of like different flavors, different types of guys. And this is an interesting one because his K rate is really high, but he also has great plate approach. So it's got to just be something mental. Um, and that's kind of what I had here. Every single pitch is now down and in on him. I think pitchers have just recognized that he's struggling with that spot. Um, 
And another thing that I, I took note of was he early on in his career, he used to just spray the ball to all fields. Um, with that great play approach, he would take any pitch anywhere on the field. This year, he has one hit to the left half of the field. If you look at his spray chart, it's you could split it right down the middle, and everything is pole side. And that's just different than what when he was successful, he would just take pitches wherever they were um, and just kind of mash them with line drive. So I have him in redraft. So I also have to hold out optimism that he uh, he will regress positively. But um, it is just such an interesting profile where elite plate approach, like I said, best in the league, hard contact when he makes contact, but he's not making contact. So if he's being too selective, it seems mental. Yeah, it seems like almost he's being too patient at the plate and not swinging at pitches that he needs to be swinging at. Um, I will say that his K rate was, I think it was almost pushing 30 a couple weeks ago, and he's brought it down. I think it's all the way down to like 23% now. Yeah, 23% K rate. So he's already bringing it down. Um, and he had three years in a row, 2020, 2021, 2022, where his K rate was 14%. It was 14.3, 14.2, 14.5, like pretty consistent. I don't think there's any reason to think that his K rate's going to be, you know, up around 25% this year. Um, unless this pitch clock thing really is getting to him. But I think it's just a matter of time before Juan Soto kicks it back in. I, I, I don't really think there's any real reason to be worried about Juan Soto, which I know is like, you know, if you're a Padres fan, if you're a fantasy owner, especially a dynasty fantasy owner, like you're probably at least a little bit getting frustrated with Juan Soto. Um, he's a good, he's a good player. He's one of the best in the league. And I don't think that anything has changed about that. His average edge velocity is still good. He just, I think he's just hitting too many ground balls right now. And I think he'll, you know, he'll figure that out. I'm not worried about Juan Soto. Yeah, and I think that was one huge draw to him going to the Padres was pitchers wouldn't be able to pitch around him um, because they had to face Tatis, Soto, Machado. Um, I, I don't know entirely where that thought went, but that is one thing that I've been really disappointed in is that I thought that, you know, on the Nationals, everyone was like, he had a similar profile, but they're like, well, they're just pitching around him because there's nobody else in the lineup. But they can't pitch around him now. So just, just a thought. Yeah. And you didn't even mention Xander, who I think has been their best hitter this year. So I do think that, I mean, you would think that his walk rate would go down in a lineup like that, but it hasn't. He actually has one of the highest walk rates of his career. Um, actually it's pretty much in line with what his career averages. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not worried about one. So I think he'll be fine. Uh, anybody else want to touch in on Juan Soto a little bit before we uh, move on? I will say that it is kind of enjoyable to watch Juan Soto not be good, I think, personally. So as much as I like say he's going to be good and I'm not worried about him, it's I kind of want him to be bad for longer. And I don't know what that says about me. I just think that just because we were in on the Juan Soto sweepstakes as a Cardinal fan and seeing him like go to a team and not perform as well as kind of you would expect. And yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> and as a 20 year old, he ended our season. <laughs> yeah. That too. Fans, and then clowned on Yadier Molina, the entire face of our organization. <laughs> yep. I, I, yep. I share in that. 
All right. Next up, we'll, uh, I think it's, it'll be a good conversation to talk a little bit about the pitching environment. Um, it seems we kind of talked about it on one of the other shows about how the pitch clock, um, how the pitch clock is maybe increasing injuries. Um, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know. We've definitely seen a lot of injuries this year. And I know we had talked about injuries a couple weeks ago and I looked it up and it didn't seem like there had been any more injuries than we had had in the past. Um, but I am curious now over the last few weeks, um, I mean, especially Brock's dynasty team has just gone through the ringer in injuries. He has, I think, five top 20 pitchers on IL almost for the whole season now. Um, or they're not all for the whole season, but like Robbie Ray is done for the year and, who knows when Carlos Rodon's coming back? I don't even know what's going on there, but it doesn't sound good. And now Scherzer, he's got Degrom. Like it's just, it's it's a tough scene over there on uh, Brock's dynasty team. But just in terms of like everybody getting hurt, like do we think it has to do with the pitch clock? I know I can't remember what pitcher it was, but somebody mentioned that not being able to use the sticky stuff caused them to be injured. And I'm curious if that potentially holds any weight with you all. Um, I know that I think the MLB uses a slightly different ball than like the Japanese professional league. I know their ball, they've got a little bit more grip on it. And I guess you mentioned Ben, that there's a league in the United States here, like a minor league that is like testing out a new tacked up ball. I'd be curious. I, I mean, obviously it'd be anecdotal, but like what the injury rates there look like, if there's any injuries going on there, I don't know, Ben, if you want to talk about just kind of the pitching environment, what's going on. Yeah, so the Southern League and AA is trying out a tact ball, and I really haven't looked at it injury-wise. I've more so just been kind of trying to, you know, maybe stay away from those pitchers who are fast risers in, you know, dynasty leagues with that tact ball because every pitcher's K rate in that league is just way up, and pit and strikeout rate is up like 8% from what it was. Induced vertical break is just like four inches higher than – you know, it has been in the past for a lot of these pitchers. So, but as far as the environment goes, I don't know how much the pitch clock like plays into it, but you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to say. I feel like injuries pitching wise have been going up year after year, pretty consistently. I feel like in this point in the season, we all start talking about, holy cow, all these pitchers are going down. So I feel like this isn't something that's necessarily new or could be attributed to the pitch clock. I mean, I'm not really hitting the panic button yet on arms, um, especially considering, I mean, in this day and age, guys are pushing their bodies to the limits. I mean, guys are throwing harder than they ever have with more spin than they ever have. So I, I feel like it's kind of natural that injuries among arms will go up. Um, I'm not putting a ton of weight into it, but I mean, if we see this type of injury rate continue, I mean, then I might start looking at, you know, something going, okay, there's a problem here. Nobody's staying healthy. But at this point in the year, I feel like this is a, a pretty typical panicky kind of thing once we see a few guys go down with TJ or whatever different injuries we start to go, you know, what's going on with all the arms getting hurt? I feel like that's kind of a, a conversation that's had almost every year. But, I mean, if, obviously, if it continues at this rate, there might be something to be said about the pitch clock or the lack of sticky stuff. So, Yeah, I think there is a little bit of good news. I don't know, Mason Miller – 
um, I guess went and got his elbow looked at or his arm or whatever. And they said it was all good news. Everything came back negative. So it seemed like he wasn't even going to get put on the IL, which is very, very good news for a young guy that throws the ball very hard. I was worried, um, especially for those young guys that are throwing, you know, triple digits starting. Like you worry about their health quite a bit, but uh, um, it was definitely good to see that that was more or less a false alarm with him and that he should be, he should be hopefully all right. Um, yeah, I just think that like I and we talked about this a lot on the last pod about the inconsistency of pitching this year. And like Garrett Cole went out and got kind of blown up the other day. Like I just feel like we just haven't had the same consistency that I feel like we had for a long time. Like I feel like the guys at the top aren't necessarily separating themselves in that same way that they usually do. Like you've had Shohei and you know a couple of guys, even I think Spencer Strider got kind of blown up the other day. Yeah. It's just been, it's just been an interesting environment, which brings us to a ranking of rookie pitchers. So I'm just going to list off a lot of rookies here. And I mean, a lot of rookies. And what I want each of you to do is kind of grab three or four of the names that you really like, whether it be, um, fantasy or just like in terms of baseball sense i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna give a a big list of rookie pitchers and i want you guys to each give me three or four that you like and kind of you can talk about them a little bit and maybe if there's a couple that you really don't like you can say that but just generally i'll list them off here so we've got louis varland mason miller bryce miller gavin stone taj bradley brandon fott tanner bybee Hunter Brown, Matthew Liberator, Grayson Rodriguez, Logan Allen, Kodai Senga, J.P. Sears, Bryce Elder, and Hayden Wesneski. Brock, are you here? Do we have Brock? Yes, we do. Brock, you want to give me three or four of those names that uh, kind of stick out to you as kind of being the top of the, like top of that list, cream of the crop? Yeah, I honestly thought you were going to go to me last. So I was going to talk about one that I didn't like and the one that I, I, I added in Dynasty, but I will um, spare all of that. Uh, so Mason Miller is one guy that I do like. Um, he did just have some elbow forearm tightness, um, but it checked out good for him. Um, that's one thing that I, we may have talked about earlier on the pod or just in our conversations together. He has, like, no minor league history. He threw, like, I could be wrong about this, but I want to say less than, like, 20 or 30 innings in his minor league career, and they really rushed him up because his stuff was so electric. Um, So I think that that was just bound to happen with how little usage that he had in the minors. Um, But his – he's, like, a Hunter Green profile. um, Throws super, super hard. Um, When your fastball is that good, you can live in the zone. Um, and I'm sure someone will pick up Bryce Miller, so I won't steal that thunder. But kind of similar profiles where fastball is so elite that the secondary doesn't have to be as good because you can live in the zone with the fastball um, and not get hit hard there. So I'm excited for him in a dynasty format. In a redraft, I'm not interested. But um, if he could build up his arm and build up his innings, his stuff is electric. And then the guy that I really, really don't like, but he's been really good, is Bryce Elder for the Braves. If you pull up his um, baseball savant page, he is under, like, everything is blue, like, very bottom of the charts. 
His fastball velo is ninth percentile. Fastball spin is fourth percentile, which are both awful. Um, he does throw a sinker, so that can partially be attributed to it. Um, all that aside, he has a 174 ERA with a 1-1 whip. He's 3-0 and in seven games, and he's looked – I mean, he pitches the contact, but he's looked incredible despite having such, such bad uh, – pitches none of his pitches are elite but again with the sinker slider guy um he's pitching to contact but i really do not buy him despite his incredible start to um his rookie year so those are two guys that hopefully you guys won't talk about and i'll leave um i guess i'll just say hunter brown's been probably the most impressive um grayson rodriguez has also been good but hopefully ben vansel and nick you guys can expand on those Um, oop, go ahead, Bansel. I uh, was just uh, the first name I was going to talk about is Tanner Bybee. Uh, he's on my redraft team and dynasty team, so I've been paying attention to his starts, and he has actually looked very good in two of his three starts. He did not walk anyone, I believe, in those first two starts, had an excellent control, which is what he was kind of known for in the minors, and then his fastball slider combo looked very good too. And it's third start, he kind of got roughed up a little bit, but it was mostly because he didn't really have his best fastball control. Uh, so I think it's just one of those things where he's a young pitcher that has good control and good stuff when he's got control of it, and then he kind of needs to learn to adjust to pitch without his, his good stuff sometimes. But he's looked very good. And then the other pitcher I was going to talk about was – uh. Um, completely drawing a blank. Oh, Gavin Stone, who he just hasn't looked as good in the minors this year. And then he came up, still didn't look as good. His changeup didn't really look that good when he came up. And it's kind of just, I feel like one of those things where he's going through a rough patch. He is on the Dodgers, which I feel like always helps because they seem to always are able to get the best out of pitchers. Uh, I think he'll be fine in the long run, but it'll be Interesting to see when he gets another shot. Uh, yeah, I'll go for uh, to start a guy kind of doubted coming up. Um, the Mariners called Bryce Miller up from Double A to start his MLB career. He actually had a pretty rough ERA in Double A to start the year. I think it was over seven. Um, but the guy has an absolute buzz saw of a fastball. I think I saw a stat the other day that he has the fifth highest fastball spin of anyone in the major leagues, which just gives it a lot of late upward life. Um, not a huge fan of his secondaries, but he doesn't walk guys. And I mean, if you have a fastball that good, as we saw from, you know, Spencer Strider last year, you can be a very successful pitcher in the big league. So I think the, uh, the industry's up on Bryce Miller and I'm also, you know, up on Bryce Miller, even though I was uh, a doubter prior to watching his first couple starts, but I mean, he might have, you know, a top five fastball in baseball. So you can't really ignore that kind of thing. Uh, second, I'll talk about the, uh, the Japanese import. Um, I'm a pretty big Kodai Senga fan. Um, I've been on him for like over a year now. Um, he was a guy who came up through the developmental leagues in Japan, the first guy ever to really have real success out of those leagues. And, I mean, he's got electric stuff. You know, everyone's heard about the ghost fork, absolutely disappears at the plate. Good fastball that he can ramp up in the upper 90s. 
And I think his slider has kind of been a pleasant surprise, has a lot more spin and bite than a lot of people anticipated. He's kind of pitched against weaker teams thus far and has had some problems with walks. But I mean, I think he that's, you know, just some classic getting used to the new ball, the pitch clock, all this different stuff. I think he's going to got going to be a guy who can slot in really nicely for the future in that three spot for the Mets. So those are the two guys I'm uh, I'm really watching. I think my favorite on the list is probably Taj Bradley, honestly. Um, I think he has looked the most impressive in his um, in his major league starts. Um, I think he just doesn't walk guys. His K percentage is very good. Uh, his swing and misses look good. He looks like he's he's got it all. The only thing he doesn't throw the ball like like elite hard. Like his fastball velocity isn't elite, um, but it and the uh, fastball spin rate is pretty good. Um, the only thing I will say is that just the Rays and how they deal with pitchers can be frustrating. And if we're talking in like a fantasy sense, like he's in the minors right now. And I do think the Rays are going to kind of, you know, jostle with him a little bit in that sense and probably not let him pitch super deep into games. But I think like as a pitcher, I think he is one of my favorites on this list. I think Taj Bradley is really elite and is just an incredible starting pitcher. And I think he'll be up in the majors before long. Josh Fleming just gave up seven or eight runs yesterday. I don't think there's any way that the Rays can keep sending him out. But also, I guess they're winning every game that they play. So I guess maybe they can wait on Taj Bradley as long as they need to. Um, the other one that I really like is Louis Varland. Uh, I think he is definitely a step below Taj Bradley. Um, and that I think, I mean, his swing and miss stuff is really good. I think maybe even a step above Taj, but I think that he's going to give up harder contact. Um, I think that he's going to, I think Taj is a little bit better at limiting that hard contact than Louis Varland is. Um, but I, I really like what I've seen from Louis Varland too. He had the one blow up start against the White Sox, but he's shut down now two really, really good offenses. Um, today he shut down... Um, the Padres who we've talked about on this podcast, I guess they have been kind of off to a slow start, but he went six innings, um, only had seven base runners and six Ks, one run. I was really good. And then the Yankees, he's had two quality starts this year of three starts as a rookie. And they were against the Yankees and the Padres. And he has well over a strikeout printing. I think he's got really good swing and miss stuff. I really like Louis Varland and Taj Bradley. Those are probably my favorite two on this list. Hunter Brown obviously has been good. And Grayson Rodriguez, I think is very good as well. Um, a couple that I've been, Oh, actually I didn't mention Bryce Miller. I think Bryce Miller is very good. Um, I like Ben mentioned top five fastball in the league. I definitely am a big Bryce Miller fan. It's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of, uh, you know, go with that one fastball. Cause that's, more or less is only like his, his other pitches are, I think slightly above average, but his fastball is really his elite pitch. A couple I've been pretty disappointed in are uh, Gavin stone and Brandon Fott. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how Fott's next few starts go. Um, but I, I was pretty disappointed in that debut that he had last week and same with stone. I, I think stone looked pretty bad. Um, and I don't think they were doing a lot of things that, looked all that redeemable um i can touch on bryce elder too he's um i'm kind of on board with brock here i don't think bryce elder 
Look, he's young. He's 23. So I think obviously as a 23 year old, he's looked very good as ERA, I think is below three or maybe even below two. Um, he's got a lot of potential and I, I think that he's a good, you know, stash, maybe even in a dynasty league or, you know, whatever it might be. But in terms of like this year, I, I don't think you can really rely on him in terms of like being a consistent starting pitcher. And even in a dynasty league, like the Braves have got a lot of young pitchers that are going to round out that rotation that they already have. That's pretty young. So I don't know if there's going to be room for him. Um, and he just hasn't been that impressive. I, I say that his numbers look really good, but like what he's been doing behind it, not that good. Does anybody else? Can have I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Can I pop something that's not at all pitching related up? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I brought this up, uh, while we were sitting in the uh, the in like the waiting room, so uh, Ellie De La Cruz uh, had his first at bat tonight, 117 mile an hour double from the right side. Second AB, he hit one 119 home run over the batter's eye from the left side. Next at bat, switched around back to the right side, hit another ball 117. That's three exit velos in one game, 115 or higher. And then his last AB, he had a walk off walk with the bases loaded. So, I mean, has anyone ever had a better game than Cincinnati Reds shortstop prospect Ellie De La Cruz? I mean, was, it, was that's that his first absolutely walk all nuts. season? It was his third walk all year in 25 games. Yes, he does not walk a lot. However, he is O'Neill Cruz heavy. I mean, this guy is absolutely electric. He walks when it matters. <laughs> that he does. Love that. Love that. All right, I've got a little game for us. Um, Ben, if you need to dip out at any point during this game, that's, that's cool. We will, uh, we'll just, uh, keep it going. We've got fantasy feud. So I've got a couple of categories. I'm going to have either the top five or six, um, players in the top of those categories. And it's going to be just like, have you guys seen, uh, you know, family feud where you buzz in and you have to guess one of the people on the list. And then we'll go through, we'll say either pass or play, and then you have to kind of go through the rest of the list. Um, so how I will have you buzz in is just simply raising your hand on the reactions on the Zoom, and I will call on the person not like that, Vance. So you don't actually raise your hand, just on the reaction on the Zoom. And uh, yeah, we can, Ben, if you need to go, that's cool. We'll just have, uh, we'll have Brock be Vance. So I think the, uh, the whole family feud game structure works better with two teams. You have anything, any uh, closing words, Ben? Have a good night. Reading day Eve. Good luck. I don't know if you have any other finals. Uh, yeah, I have one finals left, but hoping to enjoy my reading day Eve tonight. A little, uh, little uh, binge drinking going on here at Truman State. So uh, I'm going to go enjoy uh, kind of the last social event of uh, my college career. So I will uh, see you guys later. Who do you, uh, who do you predict is going to win Fantasy Feud? Ooh. So I got to go Brock here because I don't trust Vansel to always make the correct pick. I feel like sometimes he goes with meme picks. Also, Brock went like what, like 14 and one on Hall of Famer or company. I mean, that those type of stats just can't be ignored. That's uh, that's a historic performance. So I got to go with Brock winning the fantasy feud here. But hey, good luck to both you guys and uh, I'll see you later. Yeah, you're going to be in words. Good Deep luck on your final. <laughs> All right. We've got Fantasy Feud. 
Vansley, you're gonna have to put your hand down so that I can uh, look at who raises their hand first here. Uh, I believe my hand was raised first. Then <laughs> you're already. Yeah, I haven't even told you the category yet. Doesn't. All matter. right, he's got a guess. He's Trey got a guess. <laughs> Trey Turner. <laughs> it is. It is not Trey Turner. All right. Mm-hmm. Um. So before we I start, guess... I do have just a clarification. So if I raise my hand, guess wrong. Can I raise my hand again and then guess again, or if I guess wrong? Does it then go to Vansel? So if you raise your hand, you get it wrong. Then it goes to Vansel and Vansel has a chance to guess. If he gets one of the names on the board, then Vansel gets to pick to pass or play. But if he also gets it wrong, then since you buzzed in first, you get to pick whether or not you want to pass or play. And okay. you'll get three strikes. So when you give me an answer wrong, you have one strike, etc. And I'll just do it based on how many players you name. So like if we're going for the top five players in one stat, and one guy plays, names all four guys, and then gets three strikes, and the other guy guesses and doesn't steal, then that guy will get four points because he named four of the guys in the top there. Okay. And then if you get four names, and then you get three strikes, and the other guy steals, and he guesses the last name, then the other guy gets all five points. Okay. So that's how we'll play. Fantasy Feud. We'll go the first category... We'll take the top five guys in hard hit rate. Vansel's hand goes up. Vansel, what is your guess? Top five hard hit rate. Yeah, I'm going to go with Matt Chapman here. Matt Chapman is the number one answer, and Brock does not get an opportunity to uh, make a decision here. Vansel, would you like to pass or play? You got the number one answer. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and play here. He's going to go ahead and play. All right. I need another guess for hard hit percentage in Major hard League Baseball. hit percentage. Oh, man. Is there a minimum plate appearance in this? Um. Yeah, I think it's all qualifying batters. Okay, okay. Oh, I think I just saw a list recently, too. Yes, minimum plate appearances, they're qualified hitters. Is Goldschmidt on the list? Goldschmidt is number three. Paul Goldschmidt is number three. Oh, man. I definitely saw a list on Twitter today of this stat. And um, let's go. Go Adley Rutschman. I'll throw out a guess. Adley Rutschman is your first strike. Adley Rutschman, I do not see on the top 30. Oh, perfect. So you're not even in the ballpark on that one. Yeah, clearly. What are you drinking? It is a Baja California cerveza called Tecate. Is it good? It is pretty good, yes. You're not distracting me, man, so you got to guess. <laughs> um. Can't even think right now. Let's go Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is incorrect. That is actually surprising to me, though. I agree. This is this is hard hit rate. So I, I know Shohei Otani yeah. hits like individual balls really hard. I don't know if it like overall. Yeah. He hits a lot from hard. Like an average exit velo. Yeah, that would probably be good for him. I imagine. All right, strike two. Yeah, yeah. 
Jorge Mateo. Jorge Mateo is not correct. Ah. That is your third strike. Brock with a chance to steal a hard hit percentage in the league. You have number mm. two, number four, and number five available. <laughs> I know just in looking through baseball savant pages, two guys that hit the, have hit the ball hard. Randy Rose Green has really been mashing this year. And then an Oakland athletic Brent Rooker out of nowhere has been absolutely mashing. What is the minimum? I'm just going to go Randy Rose Arena. That is so tragic. Randy Rose Arena is sixth on the hard oh and He is not top five. So Vansel will start with two points. Was Brent Rooker one? Brent Rooker was not one. Brent Rooker is 16. Mm. Um, the list goes Matt Chapman, number one, Adolis Garcia, number two. Mm. I think he's one, been one of the more underrated uh, fantasy players over the last year and a half, two years, for sure. Uh, Ronald Acuna, number four. And number five is Wilson Contreras. So I thought that was kind of fun because Wilson Contreras was on two the Cardinals. List. Two Cardinals, two Cardinals on the list. Um, yeah, no, Ronald Acuna has obviously been hitting the ball really hard, but Adolis Garcia, I thought at number two was tough. I think he is severely underrated as a player and just like he strikes out a lot and everybody always undervalues him for that reason. But former, I think that, former Cardinal DFA Adolis Garcia. Yep. And Randy Rosarina, number six. Well, we didn't DFA him, but. Hey, let me All right. start paying his dividends. So we've got Vansel with a score of two and Brock with a score of zero. The next category we're going to go to is pitching strikeout percentage. Uh, that was Vansel. You're gonna need to you're gonna need to react on the Zoom, Brock. I don't know how to do the reactions. Okay. Like well, reactions? From, from okay, from here moving forward, we'll just do a raise of the hand. But this one, oh. I'm giving to Vansel because that is the rule that we are going on. All right, all right. How do I do the what? Okay. We'll just do the hand raise from moving forward. It makes you feel better, Brock. I'm not very confident about what I'm about to answer. <laughs> but I'm going go to go By the way, we're doing we're doing just full disclosure here. We're doing top six because five and six are currently tied. All right. I'm going to go Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is number two. Number two. So, Brock, you have a chance to guess number one. If you do guess number one, then you get to pick the passer play. If you do not guess number one, then Vance will get to pick passer play. What's the stat again? K percentage. So, strikeout percentage. How many batters have you mm-hmm. seen? What percentage of them have you struck out? Spencer Strider, probably. Spencer Strider is number one. Brock, would you like to pass or would you like to play? Spencer Strider and yeah, Shohei Otani. Like that's are not the... how Family Feud works. I'm going to say it. No, that's how Family Feud works. Are you sure? It is you both? Yeah. You I thought it was in. like a yeah. race, and then you get to pick or play if you. Uh... Well, the other person gets a chance, and if they get one that's higher on the board after you've already guessed, then they get to pick whether or not they pass or play. The two that you said, Shohei Otani and Spencer Strider, are the two clear outliers. Um, they're. It looks like over 5% above even number three. Both of them are. All right. Yeah, I'll play just, just to make it fun. Right. Um, I'll go with Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon is number three. 
You got one, two, and three now. And then I will go Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan is tied for fifth. There are two more on the board. And then I will go with – so we've got one, two. You've got one, two, three, and then one of the guys that's tied for fifth. Um, so there's four and then another guy tied with Shane McClanahan. I don't think this is right, but I want to say Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan is number 16. Eric Cole hasn't struck out that many guys this year. Um, I will go with. Um, let's say. Man, I cannot think of anybody but the Twins, <laughs> and I don't think that Sunny. I'll go with Sunny Gray. Sunny Gray is number nine. On the list, that is two strikes. That's got to be an obvious. Um, Corbin Burns has been bad. I don't want to say what I'm thinking because then it's going to give it away to Vansel, but um, I don't want the dead air. Um, let's go with I don't know. We'll just say Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is number ten. That is strike number three. Vansel with a chance to steal. Um, I'm just going to guess this because he's on my redraft team. So I see a lot of his starts and I feel like Kevin Gausman has been striking out a lot of batters. Kevin Gausman is number four on the list. Vansel with the successful steal and gets all five points to be up to seven. Vansel, weren't there six? Seven. There were six, but you didn't guess the sixth, which was Logan Gilbert is tied with Shane McClanahan. At number five, which was kind of surprising to me. That is surprising. I should have guessed that. I think Kevin Gosman had like 13 Ks against me last week when I faced Vansel. Yep. Yep. So uh, four of those guys are on my dynasty team. And McClanahan, Gilbert, Gosman, and Gallon. So that is uh, quite the uh, pitching staff there. You just um, like yeah. starting pitchers with G last names. <laughs> it does appear that way. So, Vansel, you've got seven points. Brock has zero. We will go to the next category, which we are also going to do the top 10 because they're or not top 10, sorry, top six because there's a tie for fifth. We've got home run leaders. Brock. Uh, Max Muncy. Max Muncy is number one. You are correct. Would you like to pass or play? Um, I'll play. It's not fun to pass. You will play. All right. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo is tied for second. Um, Randy Rosarena. Randy Rosarena is just behind this crew. He is tied for seventh. Well, this might not be good. Um, this is not including today's <laughs> stats, by the way. I don't, if Randy hit a home run today, he might be in here. This is not including today's stats. None of none okay, of these I, categories are including today's stats. Okay, I don't know that he did. Um, 
Let's do Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman is also incorrect. That is strike number two. Mm-hmm. I do not I see Acuna's hit some nukes. Uh, how many did uh, the one and two have? Um, I guess I can tell you that. I don't have anything against that. Um, it's Muncie has 12. There are three people tied at 11 and then two people tied at 10. Um, I think that Raphael Devers, maybe? Devers is correct. Devers has 11. That's the one on this list that I thought people would not get. I feel like Devers is also underrated quite a bit. I own Bregman, so I've been looking at third baseman a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which also brings up, I don't know that he's still a leader. I don't know. Patrick Wisdom? Patrick Wisdom is also tied for second. Yes, you've got first place, and you've got the three people tied for second. Now there's two people at 10 that you're missing. And how many people, or what were the home run totals for the people that were all tied? 12, 11, 11, 11, and now two at 10. Um... I was just looking at Kyle Anderson's fantasy or dynasty team, and he has Matt Olson. I think that he has, t- he might have 10 Matt Olson. He might miss the cut just barely. Matt Olson has 10 home runs. You are correct. One last name on the list. How many strikes does he have? It was, he's at two strikes. Hmm. Do you know who this is, Vansel? I'm not going to say. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is right, but I know he's really hot, and I just had Matt Olsen. Is Sean Murphy? Sean Murphy has nine. That is strike mm. number three. He was right there. Vansel, what do you got for me? Yeah, I had who I wanted to guess on my head, and then I just forgot it. So I will be going with. I don't like that you're looking at your other monitor there. Be careful. I'm just watching baseball. Okay. I'm really just looking at teams to try to quickly. I know who it is. Oh, I know who it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give you a little shot clock here. Oh, I have to talk through it. Taking it down to the end. I'll just guess Shohei. Shohei is incorrect. Shohei Otani has seven home runs. Can I guess? Can I guess? You can guess, yes. I'm not going to give you the points for the extra guess, but you can still guess. That's fair. I said his name earlier, didn't I? You did say his oh, name earlier. <laughs> it's Brent Rooker. It is Brent Rooker with 10 home runs. Yes. You did I remember who else I was going to guess. It was going to be Xander Bogarts. But I forgot oh. that. I don't see him on the list, so he must have fewer than – he either has seven or fewer than seven. 
Um, yes, it is Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker has been absolutely incredible <laughs> this year. And I think like looking at Stackhouse, like he's hitting the ball really hard too. So I don't think there's any, any reason to question what he's doing. His K percentage is, his K percentage on that list of home run leaders is second lowest behind only Raphael Devers. Like he has been really good this year. And I think, I mean, I, I don't think there's any, there doesn't seem to be any glaring things in Brent Rooker's game that would make you question it is what I'll say. So I've been very impressed with that. So we've got the score now is Vansel seven and Brock five. The next category, it looks like this time we're going to seven names because we have three people tied at fifth. And the list that I am looking at right now is major league steals leaders. Vansel. Uh, Estuary Perez or whatever his last name is. Ruiz. Ruiz. <laughs> that's an incorrect i don't know i don't know i don't know what to do um (laughs) the oakland a center fielder estuary ruiz i'm gonna give it to him he got it you you got you got the number one answer estuary ruiz is correct estuary ruiz has 17 steals and he is in the major league lead would you like to play or pass here vansel i'll go ahead and play vansel will go ahead and play you've got seven names on the board Ronald Cunha Jr. is number two with 15 steals. You are correct. Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. is just behind this crew at number eight with 10 steals. Okay, then can I get the steal total for all the ones? Uh, 17 and 15 are Estuary Ruiz and Ronald Cunha. Then there are two people tied at 12 and three people tied at 11. Gotcha. Jorge Mateo? Jorge Mateo is one of the people tied at 12. You are correct. All right. Well, it's been running a lot. That was kind of my before I had off in my mind. Um, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I really have no idea if I'm being honest. <laughs> Uh, well, you, have, you get three strikes to play with here. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, you already used Bobby. Wait, I two only two now. Uh, Miles Straw. Miles Straw is incorrect. Miles Straw has eight steals. What a bum. We're looking for people with double digits. Or no, 11, 12, 15, or 17 steals. Um, all right. Well, Brock, are you ready to steal? Yep, I'm ready to get, steal. Yeah, one more guess, Vansel. Get it because it's steals. Oh, I see. I see. I didn't actually get it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, man, that was bad. I really have no idea. Corbin Carroll, he's fast. Corbin Carroll is tied with Bobby Witt at ten. Oh God. Brock, would you like to steal? Obviously, you would like. I would to love steal. to steal. Yeah, I. Uh, so I'll preface this all with I dropped Estuary Ruiz as a steal source in redraft. So I've been looking for steal sources. <sighs> so I know one of them for sure is Jiwon Bay, a pirate, and I also know that uh, I just forgot his name. Uh, the Cubs second baseman Horner. What's his first name? 
I have him in Dynasty, and he has more than 10. Uh, but I'll go Jiwon Bay. Jiwon Bay is incorrect. It looks <laughs> like we are looking at only qualified hitters, and I guess I don't Jiwon know how many. Bay steals. has 14, like 14 or 15 steals. That's funny. Show one with Nico. I just looked earlier today when I add dropped like five guys because I couldn't make my mind up. <laughs> Gian Bay does have 14 steals. He must not be a qualified hitter. Sorry, we're looking okay, at Okay, can I go with Horner then? No, you already got it incorrect. <laughs> you you did say Gian Bay. That is incorrect. So the one with Nico Horner. He, he leads. He has 14 steals. I was not enough at bats. Oh my actually, goodness. how do I know actually, what the qualified no, I'm ABs I'm are? Gonna I'm, I'm gonna okay. Here's the deal. I'm gonna count it strictly yeah, okay. because the only reason that we were doing qualifiers earlier is because we were doing like a percentage stat. That's fair. Like with steals, you shouldn't matter if they're well. Qualified. Maybe you should establish if it's a qualify hitters or everyone. No, I think that like it doesn't matter if they're qualified if they're leading league in steals. Like if anything, not well, they're not leading give you the league a in steals. Okay. I'm giving that one to Brock. Four points. Uh, yeah, okay. And he's a pirate, so. The score currently is Brock 9, Vance With an asterisk. <laughs> With an asterisk. We'll, we'll, we'll put in the notes that four points or asterisks could go either way. Oh, no, because it would be four for Brock and three for Vance. All right. The next category we have, and these are qualified. But actually, I don't think that matters either. Um, the next category is rookie war leaders that are hitters. Brock. We'll start with James Altman. I think he's number one because his James, defense is incredible. James Altman is number one. Would you like to pass or play? And how many are there? Is this top five for real? Um, let me check. Yes, this is top five for real. Okay. Hitters only, right? Hitters only. Okay, I'll play again just in the spirit of playing. Um, I will go with Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll's number two. Um, I don't know that we'll pay... He's stolen a lot of bags and probably played good. D. Volpe. Volpe is number 10. Mm. Okay. The strike number one. Then we will go with. Does Masataki Yoshida count as a rookie? He does count as a rookie. I'll go with Yoshida. I don't know what his defense looks like. That's the problem. <laughs> Yoshida is number six, just behind number five. That is strike number two. All right. Um, let's go through. Tovar's not. Uh, Walker hasn't played enough. Um, Estier Ruiz, I don't think that he would, but that seems like a good guess and probably who Bansel would guess. Um, 
I'm going to give you all the names I think of, Ansel, just so there's no dead air time here, and then you can choose from there. Josh Jung has raked, um, but terrible on defense. Uh, I'm going to go Josh Jung. Josh Young is incorrect. He is number eight on the list. Number eight. His defense is apparently bad, it looks like. It is very bad. Also, Yoshida's is really bad, <laughs> apparently. All right, Vansel, would you like to steal? Sure. Brent Rooker a rookie? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to answer that. I'm pretty sure you answered it for one on Brock's earlier. Did he ask 30. me if somebody was a rookie? Oh, he did ask me if you did. Did was rookie, and I did say counts. Rooker is not a rookie. Okay, then I won't be guessing him. I'll go Ruiz then. S3 Ruiz is correct. Uh, number, number five. Uh, S3 Ruiz is tough. number five. That is tough. So Vansel now takes the lead with 10, and Brock has nine. Who are the others? With an asterisk. The others are Luke Grayley for the Tampa Bay Rays. And... Ryan Noda. Yep, lead off for the A's. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's like top ten in the in runs. I'm pretty sure, maybe top five. Yeah, I did not see or when I saw his name, I was like, I don't know who that is. Yep, he's probably also 32. <laughs> yeah. So, also, uh, side note: Jorge Soler hit a home run off Brandon Fott that went about a mile and a half. Jesus. Five two eight zero divided by two. All right. Two six four. So I'll I'll give you both a hint before we start this next one, and say that this list surprised me more than any list that I have shown you or we have seen tonight. So this list, it's a team stat. We're looking at team stats, and we are looking for team hard hit percentage. Vansel. Yeah, I'm going to go Blue Jays here. The Toronto Blue Jays are 10th. That is outside of the top five. Barack, would you like to guess? I guess this is... And we are going... We actually, we are actually going hard. top six here because there is a tie. It is rather hard. Just probably the best lineup in baseball, the Braves. The Braves are number 13. Ooh. So, Vansa, would you like to pass or play? There's six teams still on the board. I'm gonna pass. He's gonna pass. All <laughs> right, Brock. Um, the Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are number twenty-nine of thirty. Turns out hard, hard hit, hit rate. Turns out hard hit rate does not equal runs. <laughs> um, <are> number twenty-nine. <laughs> wow. That's rough. Um, the Cardinals were the Cardinals or are number two on hard hit percentage in the league. We're we so we're the actually guessing the worst teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I don't know that the A's. It's top six, you said? There are a few teams tied? Yes, there are two teams tied at five. So we will do the top six. I really don't think that the – yeah, I keep saying the A's, the Angels. Um, let's go with the 
my goodness. I really don't know. I'm really confused. We'll go with the Angels. The Angels is incorrect. That is strike number two. The Angels are 19th. I'm so confused with the Cardinals being second and the good teams being last. <laughs> um, the Padres. The Padres are number 25. Wow. I'm really bad at this one. <laughs> so that is three strikes, and we are passing it to Vansel now. Vansel, would you like to steal? There are five teams still left on the board. We lost Vansel, apparently. Oh, we did lose Vansel. All right, so he does not want to try to steal, it appears. Or we'll, we'll actually we'll give him some time here to... Uh, Try and get back in. We'll we'll fill the air time here. So you said the Rays were 29th? Yeah, the Rays are 29th. Hard hit percentage. I don't know that I understand what's going on with these stats. I guess since Is you it? since you're done guessing, since you're done, we can kind of talk about what's going on. Um yeah, I was just trying to think like players at the top end of the lineup that would be, you know, in like the 95th or higher. Oh, we got Vansel back. No, we got Vance back. This is my turn to guess. It is your turn to guess, yes. There's one team that has been taken off the board, St. Louis Cardinals at number two. There are five other teams on the board. What was the third team he guessed? Uh, The Padres, and they were 25. I'll go Rangers. The Rangers are also incorrect. Wow. Texas is 22. So now the score is tied 10 to 10. With an asterisk. Uh, the other teams on there were the San Francisco Giants are number one, St. Louis Cardinals are number two, the Kansas City Royals are number three, the Chicago White Sox are number four, the Baltimore Orioles are number five, and the Oakland Athletics are tied at five with the Baltimore Orioles. Can you somebody explain the hard hit percentage? I don't yeah, understand. Fewer at bats means fewer, less hard hit balls. I wonder if it's, it's, a, it's a percentage, though. The, yeah, but like, there's less. They chances. strike out so much. The times that they do make contact, I don't know. That it doesn't make sense. That. I don't no, understand. I think that could be right. Isn't hard hit percentage like hard the, hit balls over like hit balls and well, yeah. if it's balls in play, then it is the strikeouts will factor into that more. Yeah. Okay. So it, it could be, be it could be a strikeout thing. This is why we need Ben here. He would know. Yeah, I, I imagine that's when there's like an X hard hit where it like takes out all the <laughs> yeah, or flips the the division. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so we've got a tie game here, ten ten. We've got uh, looks like three categories left here. Um, the next category we're going to go with is innings pitched leaders. Brock. I'm going to go with Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi is number 13 and not in the top five. So we will go to Bansel. Um, let's go with Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan is number six and also not on the list. Brock, would you like to pass or play? Well, I thought because I got the higher one. I'm confused. Got to be on the list. Well, it would be like in Family Feud if you had both gotten a strike there. 
I'll play. Brock will play. Um, the guy that I have in Dynasty that has been, honestly, despite all my injuries, has been incredible. Marcus Stroman. He has like a quality start in like every single pit or every single every single game pitched. Marcus Stroman is number four on this list, and that is correct. He has 47.1 innings pitched. To top five? Yes, we have top five on the board. We have one, two, three, and five still left. Are you giving us how many innings he pitched? I can. It's 51, 49, 49, 47, 47. Okay, I will go another guy on my dynasty team, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is number one on the list. So you have number one and number four. There's two, three, and five left. Um, I will go with. I mean, he always leads the league. I know he's struggled, but I, I haven't. I don't have him anywhere, so I'm not sure. But Sandy, Alcantara. Sandy is number 16 on the list. That, I imagine, is probably like uh, the other guys have had one more start than him because he's like exactly six innings behind these guys. Um, like we said earlier, it's so weird this year with pitching. Some of those old studs just weren't doing it. Um, a guy that I haven't redraft that I know is – had a lot of quality starts. Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon is correct. Zach Gallon is number two on this list. Um, I think this early in the season, you've guys, got, we've just picked. You've got one, two, and four. You've got three and five left. I'm just trying to think of guys that have pitched shutouts because that kind of gives them a half a start advantage on guys now. Um, my redraft pitching has been so bad in my dynasties and shambles, and I really don't look at anybody else's teams. Um, I have one miss or two. I believe you've only missed one. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the guy that I guessed earlier, Sunny Gray. Sonny Gray is incorrect. I do not see him on the top 30. So that's now mm. two strikes. One strike remaining. It's got to be guys that just pitched. You said it's not today's stats? No, today's stats do not count. Um. I only know this because you sent a text about him. And I think that he might have more innings pitched than Zach Gallon in our little group chat. And he just pitched a nine-inning shutout, which is what I've been thinking about, and he's the most recent one. But I don't know how he started the year. No, it can't be. Um, I really thought Nathan Avaldi would be, but no way he doesn't go that deep yet. Um, Nate of Aldi looks like he might have fallen into the same like he has one fewer start than all these guys that we're looking at 
I'm just going to guess it just because I know it's a half a star advantage. And he's been so good for no reason. Mitch Keller. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wouldn't say for no reason. <laughs> yes, Mitch he Keller is right. number three on the list. Mitch Keller is number three. You have the that top one shut four. Out. You have the top four on the list. There's one remaining. How many innings pitched does Mitch Keller have? Uh, he's tied with Zach Gallon. They each have 49 and two-thirds. Do you know how many quality starts he has? Like four? It I doesn't think. matter. It doesn't matter. Um, at least four. At least four of his eight have been quality. Um, I said Garrett Cole, right? You did say Garrett Cole, yes. Um, probably somebody did. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to. I don't know. I keep thinking about twins. Joe Ryan. <laughs> Joe Ryan is incorrect. He's at 15. Barack, or Vansel, rather. Like Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo is incorrect. Luis Castillo is number 22 on the list. So Brock gets four. Number five is, of course, what everybody was thinking, Kyle Gibson. I thought he was hurt for what? a bit. <laughs> what is his ERA? His ERA like is 4.4. 4. 4. Yeah, I don't know how, uh, how Kyle Gibson is on there, but he is number five on the list. He has one more inning than Shane McClanahan and the same amount of starts for both of them. So that's kind of crazy. Um, so it is Vansel 10 and Brock 14. With an asterisk. You could say that. The Ain't next fly forever. The next category that we have is the top six. It looks like yes, we have six because there's a tie. It's just hardest hit balls this year. Bansel, is that a hand? Yeah. So we're just looking. So it's the top. Six in max exit velocity. Max exit velocity? Yes. Max exit velocity is the stat we're looking at. Okay. Is it qualified hitters? Um, I don't think so. And it does not count today's stats. Okay. Oh, actually, yes, it is qualified hitters. I like. I knew it. <laughs> oh, but he's got the hardest hit ball. So it's showing it. All right. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I just eliminated that uh, that that qualifier. Does that change any of the the rankings? It does actually, yes. So now we actually have seven names. I'll go show it even harder on us. Shohei Otani is correct. He is tied for fifth with two other guys. Barack, would you like to put a guess in? Qualified, right? Not qualified. Uh, no, not qualified. Just anyone. Because it's just a, uh, you know. Uh, we hate consistency know. here. I guess I'll guess Ronald Acuna, your boy. <laughs> Ronald Acuna? that one like 480. Ronald Acuna is correct. He is tied with Shohei, though. And since Vance will guess first, he will get to choose pass or play. Let's play. Vance will play. Show me O'Neill Cruz. 
O'Neill Cruz is just behind this group. Ah, all right. So that's strike number one. Who's uh, got that? So there's still five names out there? Still five names out there. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo is not one of them. Really? Thought he was a big, strong guy. Yeah, I don't see Pete Alonzo on here. Hmm. Oh, he's number 40. Really? Yep. Behind Christian Yelich at number 39, actually. Really? That's actually very surprising. It is very surprising. Um, well, I'm not doing well with this one, huh? That's two strikes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Matt Chapman has a lot of our hit balls. Surely one of them has got to be in the top seven, right? Is that a guess? No. I didn't okay. say show me. You didn't say what? I didn't say show me. Uh, oh, okay. I see, I see, I see. Show me Mike Trout. Mike Trout is not correct. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I do not see Mike Oh, Mike Trout is 72nd. All right, Brock, your chance to steal. Sorry, just got caught away. Andrew Kinsler just had a uh, a can of corn, little blue pit for an RBI to put the cards up six four in the top of the ninth. Um, Amazing. Single instance. Um, and Vansel guess Vlad Junior. I'm telling you, uh, Vansel's guesses were O'Neill Cruz. Pete Alonzo and Mike Trout. I mean, it's got to be one of those first basemen. Um, I'm going to go Vlad. Vlad is correct. That would be three points for Barack. Vlad is tied with Ronald Acuna and Shohei Otani at fifth. The four above him, Wilson Contreras with 117.5. He actually hit that one yesterday, I believe. He hit that one yesterday against. It was a ground out. It was a ground out, but it was hit very hard. Uh, the other one, Giancarlo Stanton, hit one 117.8 miles an hour. Jake Berger hit one 118.2 miles an hour. And then the hardest hit ball of this year belongs to Matt Olson at 118.6 miles an hour. I almost got oh. Matt Olson. Yeah, All right, last last category, and we are going to double the score here. So this this round counts double. We are looking at this one is kind of tough. I'm not gonna lie. We are looking at pitching fastball percentage leaders. They throw their fastball the most. Vansel. This among qualified pitchers. Uh, yes, it is. Uh-huh. And we are going to keep this one qualified because it is a rate. It is fastball percentage. Gotcha. That was more of a question. I didn't actually have an answer. I just want clarification. Oh, okay. So now we'll we'll uh, open up the floor Sorry. to uh, hand raise. Brock. Number one's got to be Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider is... Does this take out relievers? 
Yeah, it, they have to have be qualified. Riders number 19. Ooh, dude throws two pitches. Okay. Guess he throws that other one a lot. Um. <laughs> uh, What's the, the minimum <laughs> innings to be a qualified pitcher for this? Um, I don't know. It doesn't say. I imagine it's whatever, like the same rate to be a starter. I, I imagine it just discludes non-starting pitchers. Yeah, but it's kind of like... Like if somebody's been hurt for a little bit. Yeah, or maybe they got called up halfway through the short yeah. season. Yeah, it looks like... At least from my perspective, I don't think I see any of the recent call-ups. Gotcha. I'm going to go with one. No, let's say DeGrom. DeGrom is not on the list. I don't know if he is qualified. But I don't see I mean, him anywhere. He's only missed one turn. I would imagine he's qualified. Mm-hmm. Grom is not on the list. I don't know if that's because he's not qualified or because he doesn't throw his fastball very much. Yeah, he's pretty much fastball slider too. Um, Rock, would you like to pass uh, play? I am not confident at all because I. Yeah, I guess just I only. Play. I guess looking at this list, I probably would have only known two of them. Like it's a pretty oh. tough. I was really confident in Spencer Strider. Um, and him being 19, not even top 10, is – I'm going to give it to Vansel. Yeah, big mistake, guy. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is incorrect. Two <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys. I mean, well, there's that one guy um, that throws his fastball a lot. Um Number four on the list, uh, drawing a blank. You know, he played for the baseball team. <laughs> um, can I get the percentages? Yeah, it's 83% is number one. 82% is number two. 78% is number three, four, five. That is a lot. Yes, it is. I think if they have multiple fastballs, it counts yeah. them. Yeah. Um. Actually, I know that it does because I know that number one has a lot of fastballs. I don't know if it's... Number one has a lot of fastballs. Marcus Stroman. Stroman is not there. Stroman is number 16. Is that... Getting closer. Oh, was that a steal? Oh, no, no, no. That was two strikes, right? Yeah. Getting closer. Moving up the list. There's a lot of fastballs. Huh. I I don't know. It's either two or three. Two or three. It's well, a lot the, of hints there, Nick. You got the four scene. Well, you're getting them too, because clearly I'm not getting all seven. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a four scene fastball. You have a two seam fastball. He has a four seam, a sinker, and a cutter. Sinkers cutter. counts as fastballs. I believe it is counting the sinker as a fastball, yes. Hmm. Wait, Nick, look in the camera. And make some noise so that you pop up on the main screen. Okay. Yeah, now look in the camera. Okay, I'm looking in the camera. Yeah, it's got to be Mitch Keller. 
it's not Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller is number eight on the list. You're getting so close, though. Yeah, um, why don't you just make these impossible? This yeah, is my one, turn. I, this one's tough. I guess yeah. this one was this one was extra tough. Can uh, you steal? I don't know if he's qualified, but I know he just throws heaters, 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 heaters. Uh, but I don't think it's that high of a rate. Hunter Green. Hunter Green is incorrect. Rather <laughs> just went. Over I guess Shane seven. McClanahan. He also throws fastball change. Not Shane McClanahan. Number one is Lance know. Lynn. Oh yeah. yeah. Lance Lynn has the three fastballs. Yeah, he does really only throw fastballs. Number two is Nestor Cortez. Yep. Number three, and the only other person I knew Lance Lynn and I knew Cal Quantrill pretty much only throws fastballs. Cal Quantrill is number three. And then Drew Rasmussen and Eduardo Rodriguez round out the list there who's been really good yes he has been and so a lot of these guys on this list have been good oh actually i like just cal quantrill and eduardo rodriguez and cal quantrill i don't i can't figure out cal quantrill i feel like the last one has a lot of swinging strikes yeah the last like two and a half years of cal quantrill has been like decent but like if you look at his numbers like he's so bad like in terms of i shouldn't say he's so bad he's a major league baseball player but, like, just I don't understand why what he's doing works. Because the um, Guardians are geniuses, pitching geniuses. So, unfortunately, Cardinals. unfortunately, with uh, Vansel's asterisks, so Brock won 17 to 10. But with Ooh. Vansel's asterisks, the score would have actually been uh, 13 to 13 had Vansel have gotten his thing and it would be tied. So hypothetically, if we're going on Vansel's asterisk, uh, if that's what we're using here, mm-hmm. we're, we need to do a tiebreaker. Yep. So we are going to do a tiebreaker. And I am getting the tiebreaker as we speak right now. Um, all right, I have the tiebreaker. So if hypothetically Hans- Vansel's asterisk is the route that we're going down, this is the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker is going to be, and all we're going to do, actually, we'll go through the whole thing like we've been doing the other ones. Uh, so we'll have the top six in runs batted in. Bansel. Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia is number one. Would you like to pass or play? You know what? Play. All right. Bansel's playing. I love it. He's playing it. He wants to win. He wants the tiebreaker. All right. Uh man. There, yeah. Like I mentioned, there are six names because there is a tie for fifth. Yeah, yeah. Uh can I get the, the RBI numbers? RBI numbers 36, Adolis Garcia. You just guessed. The next ones are 34, 32, 30, 29, and 29. Oh, there's some pretty good RBI totals to this point in the season, I'd say. Yeah. I'll the go Max Muncie. Max Muncie is number five, tied at number five with 29. Uh-huh. All right. doing some calculations xander bogarts xander bogarts is incorrect interesting he must not qualify (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one strike and you've got 
two names on the board. Two names on the board. Um, Matt Olson. Matt Olson is number 12. Oh, man. Tied with Jonah Heim, actually, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean... I'm trying to think, like, good people, good offenses, equal high RBI counts. Potentially. It's like a good logic, but it really has not uh, helped me so far. Um, yeah, I mean, none of those guys are on my fantasy team, so that doesn't really help me there. Yeah. Uh, but I'll go with someone I wanted on my fantasy team this year, and Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonso is correct. He is tied with Max Muncie at fifth. You've got three names off the board. There are three names remaining. All right. And what were their RBI totals for those remainder three names? 34, 32, and 30. 30. Hmm. 30. Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph. Stephon Diggs. Buffalo. Stephon Diggs is not number 30. Yeah, Steph Curry. Stephen Curry, Stephon Diggs. Okay. Buffalo. Buffalo Sauce. Buffalo Wings. Red Bull gives you wings. Not where I was going, but... Red Bull is a sponsor for a New York soccer team. Vladdy. Already said that one. <laughs> Vladdy is incorrect. Brock, would you like to steal to secure your win? Then you would have won in the original game plus the Vansel Asterix game. Uh, I would love I to steal. I want to pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to circle back all the way to the beginning when I said I'm going to guess this guy and Brent Rooker for everything. Brent Rooker is incorrect. No, no, no. That's not who I'm <laughs> guessing. This Whoa. guy who I'm guessing and Brent Rooker. Um, oh, but I don't know Lord. if he leads. I wasn't guessing Brent Rooker. Okay, this okay, guy, okay, okay. This guy okay. that I said was okay. The guy no, that I, I will said say, was Randy Rosarena. I will say. The guy that I said and Ray. <laughs> For the record, for podcast listeners, I'm looking on Zoom. I was looking at Brock when he said that, and it still did look like he was thinking. It, so it did, did look, look like he was thinking, but he also and said the can... words, I'm going to guess this player every time. And then said Brent Rooker. No, okay. no, no, no. Give us give us your final guess, Brock. But I know a person that has more than Randy Rosarena, and that's Rafael Devers. And I'm going to go with Rafael Devers. But I think Randy Rosarena probably is also one of them. Randy and Rafael Devers would both have been correct answers. Rafael Devers is number two at 34. The one Brent name Rooker that would have been an answer? Brent Rooker would not have been. He would have been 13th. Asterix. So, so we have now two <laughs> asterisks. Listeners, I am, I am open to listening if you think Vansel has won this game in some way, shape, or form. 
Love the record show. I said this guy that I'm going to guess and Brent Rooker. This guy was Randy Rosarena. Uh, all right. Randy <laughs> Rosarena would have been correct. And Rafael Devers, your final does answer have was a, correct. Does Zoom have oh. captions we can go back and look at? Or rewind. <laughs> all right. You all be the judge. I am um, tentatively awarding Brock the win on this fantasy feud. The one name that we did not name on the RBI leaderboard was Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez has 32 RBI. You must have uh, every single one of the Astros RBIs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All Real right. Quick, well, shout yeah, out Paul to keep the Paul shout out streak going. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We do need to keep the Paul shout out streak. Um, Kieran said that he was going to listen to this podcast during his seven mile run. Then he had a four mile run the next day. So he's probably finished with all of his running by now. So well done. You finished the podcast. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all I got boys. You got anything before we, uh, before we head out, the Cardinals are on a two win streak for the first time in a long time. Back to back. Oh, wait, it's three, three win streak. Right. Cause yeah, we maybe. finished. Yeah. yeah. Turns out uh, not catching Wilson might pay dividends. I can't believe yeah. the Cardinals are about to go a hundred and what, what is that? If they, if we win however out. many wins and only 24 losses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, I think hopefully the Cardinals are going to start doing well. All right. You guys have anything else? We'll see you all next week. Thank, dun, thank dun, you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate any uh, subscriptions and reviews. Have a good week. We'll see you next time.